Today's podcast is sponsored by TV Time. Use TV Time to help manage your TV watch list across all your viewing platforms, get reminded when shows are on and keep track of your progress, and react to what you watch and interact with the community of fans. Go to tvtime.baldmove.com to download the app for Apple or Android. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 6, titled Beyond the Wall. They, they, went, they went beyond the wall. They right. went past the wall. Right beyond it. Uh, past the mountain. They, went, they jumped the ludicrous speed, is what they did. <laughs> in, <laughs> yeah. In, in, in many different meanings of that word. Sure. Uh, after seeing it a couple of times, what, what is your opinion? Uh, so I got to say that... Um, once I got away from the actual minute-to-minute, second-to-second drama of, oh, my God, are they going to kill Tormund? Are they going to kill John? Or, like, I found multiple watches more tedious than I expected because I just kept every single pass I went through, I kept finding more kind of kooky things to pick out on and things that huh. didn't make sense. And, and just, you know... As I was watching it, knowing, like, okay, these are things that don't make sense. These are things that do make sense. Like, some of the stuff, like, like Benjen Stark. Like, there's a way to stage that scene to make him say there is no time. Like, all you got to do is have the whites about to overtake them. Mm-hmm. And you throw him on the horse, there's no time, smack the horse on the ass, and then you have to fight a rearguard action so John can get away. Like... And, and and if you know how to tell a visual story, like if you want, to, then, then then tell the damn visual story, and and that's the stuff that's frustrating. Like I don't, I don't, I don't penalize them for doing things that they have to because they have a half-told story that's kind of confusing and complex and isn't finished. Uh, but that stuff, that's just all on them. Like <laughs> if they want to tell the story of Benjen's noble last stand, then then fucking tell it. Don't half-ass it. And mm-hmm. and the story and, and this episode's replete with like a half a dozen examples of, like we said, this, they just shoot themselves in the foot, and there's there's nobody to blame for them but themselves. So I liked it huh. quite a bit less on reflection. What about you? I liked it quite a bit more. I let all that shit go. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I said, look, this is still one of the most amazing shows on television. Period. Yes. Um, there's nothing else like it. And yes, a detail here or there is going to be annoying if you really want to pick at it and right. say, why couldn't they have done this better and this better? But honestly, they've got so much else up in the air. Like when you're setting 20 people on fire and you're doing, uh, I, I don't know, mountains and mountains of CG. Uh, it, you know, I, I I get in a mode where I want to pick every little thing to death, and that's kind right. of what the fandom has been doing. And at some point, you just either have to say, I'm done with this show mm-hmm. because bullshit like that, or you say, I don't care about that bullshit. I just want to, I want the story, I want the action, I want the, you know, everything else that's good about it. Well, I'm going to say that, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think the, the, the thing that is where I disagree is there's still six episodes to go after this year that's going to be at least 18 months away. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder 
if maybe the double D's themselves are like, you know, instead of just turning this thing around in a year and having it be delayed and us not really happy with the result, because they, they, they talked a lot on the behind the scenes about how, how frankly tough it was to pull the storyline off in a believable pa- uh, place. Yeah. Uh, and I made that joke about like, you know, they locked themselves in a room and like, all right, we got a week. We got we got a week and so we can figure out uh, how to get these guys in this one spot and whatever we got is the best we roll with. Like maybe they need to pump the brakes to avoid some of the sillier stuff because um, I, I think it's too black and white to tell a fan base like, well, you either have to get on board with stuff that this 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 show has never been known for, which is not sweating the details. Or, you know, like, either shut the fuck up or get out, you know? Yeah, I, but but there's a difference. Like, if you're looking, if you're actively going out saying, I'm going to find these things and I'm going to pick them apart to death. Or if you're going to say, yeah, there are flaws, but overall it's really, really good. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you're putting pre- – you're, you're, I guess you're attempting to put pressure on the double Ds to get things right. Because, again, I'm not saying that the big moments didn't work. What I'm saying is there's a lot of supporting moments that should have worked, and they even could have made them work, but it's kind of inexplicable why why they didn't. Right, but are you going to let that ruin your enjoyment no, of I'm, the good moments? No, I'm, I'm – no. And like I said, I will say that on second watch, some of the, the things I liked the first time I liked even more because, mm-hmm. like, you know, I think Double Ds do have a flair for these kind of uh, – you know, random on the uh, off the cuff conversations between characters. Those like are really good, and I actually am a passionate fan of what's going on at Winterfell right now, which is controversial, uh, hmm. and I'm prepared to defend it. But you know, some things like the Night's King, which dragon he kills, the you know Benjen on his horse moments, Gendry just you know finding out that he's a world class sprinter. I, the, the, some of that stuff is just you got to say it's silly. Now, yeah, you can you you don't have to harp on it. You don't have to like bemoan it or whatever, but. Yeah, um, it certainly interfered with my enjoyment because once I was no longer distracted by just holy shit, look, all this stuff is happening. Um, you know, and again, like I, I expect so- to let some stuff slide. I don't know where the line for like what you got to slide. And I got, I, you know, in my feedback, I got a thousand emails ranging from shut the fuck up and just you know love the show or get off the mics to I can't even believe you're fucking covering this. And like I'm somewhere in between, but uh the thing that sucks about that is then you feel like you're not serving any party. So I'll roll with just saying how uh, what's on my mind, like I always do, yeah, and see I, how that, to see how that treats me. I would say the people who have the strongest opinions are going to be right. the most polarized and sure. are going to be the most likely to speak out. Um, yeah. The people who are just, you know, week to week enjoying the show, mm-hmm. probably are not going to write in to tell you that. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's the thing, and everybody watches this show differently. There's the people like me... Uh, or even more extreme versions of me who have loved this sh- this sh- this thing for going on twenty years, mm. and who are just like dismayed, disillusioned. And there's other people that are just like you know what, I like boobies, I like dragons, I like I like I like blood spurting, and I get my fill every week. And this is just more grist for the mill. Hmm. Okay, and, I, you know, I, at the end of the day, we have seven more episodes, and this is done. Yeah. So like, this isn't like something like I guess The Walking Dead where uh, it's going to overstay its welcome. Um, and also, I the other thing is, in, at the end of the day, this is this is a two, this is a stretch of two episodes that are head scratchers that they could completely recover from for next week. And even if they don't, it's not like I'm going to go into season eight like you know arms crossed fuck this show. I'm going to be hoping mm-hmm. for it to to stick the landing. Okay. Uh, maybe we should get into the recap. Yeah. 
Yes. I do want to, because uh, something that came up, uh, there's a couple things I want to mention. Number one, uh, someone really cleverly sent us an actual raven. Well, yeah. not an actual raven, a, f- a fake a fake a raven. A stuffed raven, Something yeah. you, like, I guess they're made for, like, flower baskets or whatever. You can put a bird on it. But it's a raven, and it had a message sent from Amazon that says, uh, Lords Hubbard and Jones, I'm sending this raven to you to let you know the gold has indeed safely arrived in King's Landing and is behind the gates. Hoping this information finds you in a timely fashion. Yours, all the listeners. Super funny. Like, whoever, yeah. whoever decided to, to burn five bucks on that joke, A+. plus. <laughs> it was anonymous, but, but, but awesome. And it's now hanging from one of our camera stands. It is. It's one of the many. Uh, it's camera opposite mounts. Drogon. Uh, yep. So the other one is that uh, I mentioned this in the spoiler podcast, um, but it doesn't have nearly the audience that this one does. Someone on Reddit did, because we've been talking about, like, whether you're, you're squicked out about Danny potentially boning her nephew or not and someone did the quote-unquote incest math Mm. uh and actually compared like you know the genetic drift between siblings versus parents versus cousins versus nephews and nieces uh and aunts and uncles and then compared the actual what we know about the targaryen lineage and how inbred they already are and concluded like danny and john uh having sex they would share like 55 percent of their genetic material which is sounds like a lot a lot <laughs> it's like it's like closer to sibling sex than than aunt aunt uh, n- uh, n- uh nephew sex <laughs> which so, is also not off the table in game of thrones so no no what the fuck are people on about yeah like and we know that like also if you look at some of the the british monarchs uh in through history there's some unfortunate genetics going on there um yeah. So I, I just want to I'm gonna I'm gonna post a link to that uh, kind of humorous slash informative essay on the show notes if you want to check out the incest math of uh, John and Danny. Hey everybody, want to talk about what's going on at Bald Move this week before we continue to get much further? Uh, we got a lot of stuff. Yesterday uh, we had our an- or our monthly, not annual, our monthly video game playthrough. We decided to take on the Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf Among Us. The Wolf Among Us, right. Yep. That's an entirely different property. The Wolf Among Us, which is one of the Telltale's first... It's, our, it's certainly our first like non-television-based Telltale adventure, where mm-hmm. it's a... It's a it's a werewolf cop. It's 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 I I thought it was going to be werewolves. It's more like fantasy fairy tale, Grimm's yeah. brothers Grimm kind of stuff, run amok in in New York. And we, as always, tried to play the worst version of the main character, which I thought was going to be pretty good as a werewolf. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're going to be eating people. We slap surprisingly hard to play a bad wolf. <laughs> We're big. I we're think the we big, did it though. We're the, as big, well as we're the big bad wolf, and we tried to we tried yeah. to huff and puff at every opportunity. <laughs> Um, if you're a club member, you can go and check how that, that went. Uh, tomorrow, we've got another Empire business where we uh, talk about social media management with um, Sandra, who's been helping us with our social media strategy for the last three months. We kind of go over uh, how that's gone and like the, the wins and losses and the things we've learned. So if you want to know some behind-the-scenes stuff about a podcast startup, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, we've got some other stuff coming up. We're going to try to squeeze in another Bald Move TV uh, which Cecily may or may not be joining us. We're going to be doing a roundup on Rick and Morty. We're going to be talking um, Azor. Wait, no. Yep. It's, it's not Azor's. What is it? Ozark. Ozark. Azor's, yeah. Ozark's. They're all mountains, right? Sure. Uh, we're going to be talking some Glow. Uh, might be talking some Defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, might be talking about some other. I mean, I've, I've been keeping up on Ballers. I'm talking about, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ballers. That's what, that's what the, the, the hardcore Bald Move fans are wanting. I've, I've, the Baller sports talk. boys entourage. <laughs> uh, 
just all kinds of stuff we got. Plus, you know, obviously we got the rest of our uh, Game of Thrones, packed Game of Thrones coverage coming out this week. Check it all out at BaldMove.com. Uh, we start off this week uh, panning over a Dragonstone table, that, that big map that we've seen before, uh, up toward the wall, and then we cut to John and company marching north. I thought this was a nice little cut. It was. Um, kind of tying, you know, what's going to happen later with the dragons and stuff into north of the wall. Uh, Tormund fucks with Gendry. Literally, perhaps? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what goes off what goes on off screen there. Um, then he talks with John about how Mance didn't bend the knee and got a lot of his people killed. Uh, Gendry takes up some beef with Beric and Thoros for selling him off to Melisandre. And John talks with Jorah about their fathers and tries to give Longclaw long back to him, but Jorah refuses it. That is a lot bigger bite off the scene that I thought you'd take. Um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to get through this whole chunk of marching. I, I, I want to talk about that that cut of the table to the, the gentleman beyond the wall because I thought it was really um, emblematic, not just of like, okay, here's another way to ground you and where this story is taking place in a visual way, but it also tied into like Tyrion's conversation with Danny about you want to break the wall or wheel. Aegon is the one, your forefather to conquered Westeros is the one that started the wheel in the first place. This is literally Aegon, you know, that was his dream, a united Westeros under one ruler. He made that table, uh, the painted table without borders. The Im- so so it's, I thought it was pretty cool to open up the episode with how this all started. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, like, you know, the dragons being in Westeros is kind of, is, is because of the Targaryens coming over and, and, and conquering it and, uh, you know, where would our heroes be if they didn't have dragons? Sure. Um, so on the one hand, uh, they wouldn't have dragons. On the other hand, neither would the Night King. Uh, so they kind of fucked yeah. that up. But uh, I, I, I really like that. I also, you know, these walking and talking scenes, the, these kind of Aaron Sorkin scenes, I thought were really great. And I thought especially the one that Tormund talks about with John about, like, Mance Ra- Raider dying for his pride. Hmm. Which is how John saw it, but now that John's on the inside, he sees that is it is am I doing this because because of my pride, or am I doing it because I know that the people will turn against me if I do the kneeling? Yeah, no, this is this was what John was not understanding about Mance's stance in the first place. Like John assumed it was all about pride, um, right. and he says as much to Mance, but. It was never really about that to Mance. It was right. more about the freedom of his people and their wishes, you know? And John's now in the same predicament, and I hope finally he understands it, although at the end he bends this knee, and and I don't know how the Northern Lords are going to take that, right? but we'll find out, I assume. Well, that's the point. It's like, you know, I, I think the, the, the Rosetta Stone for him to decode this is at the end, like how many people of Mance's people died because of his pride. Like, it doesn't matter if it's not, if it's pride or not, the end result is he got a lot of his people killed sure. trying to game theory how they would react to his his kneeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, the, the like, that John gets it. Like, okay, even if they turn again, maybe that's not as important as them being safe. Like, I'll roll the dice and they'll react how they react. Maybe they throw me over and take Sansa, but the end result is they will end up accepting Danny because they have to, and that's going to save the most amount of people. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess the the conundrum you have between saving your people mm-hmm. or the potential conundrum between saving your people or giving the people what they say they really want. Right. Which for Vance, I think, was freedom right. um, from any kind of ruler. Yeah. 
Uh, like what's leadership? Because there's the right, you know, especially when we're talking about breaking the wheel, instituting democracy. Like you know, there's some schools that say like you're elected by the people to do what the people want, and then there's some say, well, you're actually elected to make good decisions, and you should you should you should always do what you think is best for the people, regardless of their day to day emotional takes on it. Right. And it's probably the answer is both. You have to do yeah you, you you have to do both things from time to time to be an effective leader. Yeah. Um. I, what do you think about the the scene with Gendry and Barak and Thoros? Because like it's an amusing scene, but I, I I felt myself on subsequent watches like siding with Gendry. Like you know, can can you can you fuckers just apologize? Yeah. Like, do you have to look smug and be like, "Oh, come on, young young pup, you don't know how to like what the fuck you did sell him into slavery? He all did almost die." Yeah, and then the hound comes comes up and says, "Well, you're not dead," and I'm like, "Yeah, that is not the fucking point." Right. The hound, right. get out of here. And, and also, how did the British end up with whinge and we end up with wine? I don't know. Like whinge know. is like I thought wine was an automatopoeia for like what a dog does when it's whimpering, you know. Mm-hmm. And like it, 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 I don't think a dog like I wouldn't say I wouldn't type out a dog whinge, whinge, whinge. <laughs> like wine that I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm side eyeing uh-huh. you from across the pond. Like how 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 did you guys end up with lifts and we ended up with elevators and lorries and trucks? Like what the fuck? Boots, boots and trunks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I think my favorite conversation of this whole thing, though, is Tormund and Gendry uh, kind of talking back and forth past John. Right. Uh, <laughs> man, he's just torturing poor Gendry. Gendry's getting it from all sides, right? Yeah. He's clearly the outsider in this pack. Sure. The new guy, the one they're all going to pick on. Right. Uh, but I, I don't know. that Those comments from Tormund are just classic. Yeah. The, and the, 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 the way they acted it, too. The, like, mm-hmm. We have to make do with what we have. <laughs> Uh, he's so like unsure yeah. whether he's joking or not you know right um uh, and i think you know like i said on the instant podcast um and now that uh, you know we, we've seen the whole thing it does seem like they've got this theme of of progeny and what happens next and john for the first time when jorah says you know may this serve you and your children well john's like oh mm-hmm. shit uh i'm not allowed myself to think about this yeah. Uh, now I am, and then at the end of the episode, Danny tells him that you know asserts that she can't have children; she's barren. She's bought into you know the the whatever the the wood witch the the Mary Mazdur curse that was put upon her in season one. And he um, instantly recoils and pulls his hand back. Yeah, and says, like, oh, oh God! I just thought about having babies this episode, and you're saying <laughs> I can't have it. Deal breaker. Uh, <laughs> yep. I, I I thought that I thought that was great. Uh, and yeah, I, I and Jorah the... not accepting the sword um, seems perfectly in line with his character. Yep. Uh, I really like those scenes as well. And it shows also he's grown a lot because you know he he's a different per- he he has changed a lot and in, in, in the first season he was a mercenary and a spy who was tr- did, willing to do anything to purchase his honor back so he could return to the seven kingdoms and now he's mm-hmm. a man who sees how foolish the idea that you could you could buy your honor back is and and now he's just he's moved beyond that to now it's like i just need i just want to serve I want to. I want to do whatever I can to serve a world to where you know selling people into slavery is no longer a possible thing, and and put this person who's different and and he he no longer he's let go of the anger against the Starks and Ed in particular. I, I it, it shows a lot of growth uh, on his part, and I like that. Okay, um, let's go over to Winterfell where Arya tells Sansa about the time that Ned approved of her hitting a bullseye with a bow. Um, although I'm not so sure about that, he basically slow clapped her. <laughs> uh, she she segs into the message that she found in Littlefinger's room, uh, where 
you know, it's asking Rob to swear loyalty to the Lannisters. Um, and then Arya goes hard at her for betraying their family, for her beloved Joffrey, as she puts it. Sansa defends herself by claiming that she won Winterfell back single-handedly and had to suffer to make it happen. Um, and Arya just has no idea. And then Arya tells her uh, she's scared that the that, that she's actually scared that the Northern Lords will read the letter and turn on her. Um, and she's got her defenses up. Uh, I'm having a hard time with this scene because Arya is being such a little shit, uh, in my opinion. Like, she clearly has... She should have a more nuanced view of this, I think, this mm-hmm. letter, than just black and white, like, you did something to betray our family somehow. But why would you think she would have that nuanced opinion? Uh... I don't know. She's been through a lot. And she's seen a lot. And I know some. she's clearly doing something here uh-huh. that is not on the surface. There, there's some subterfuge going on somewhere. But she's acting like such a throwback to her old, like, pull Sansa's pigtails mm-hmm. kind of days that I'm having a hard time figuring out what it, what it is exactly. I... I, I, there's a lot going on here. Uh, yeah. Number one, there's like, you know, Arya holding up her, this is why I need femini- feminism sign. The fact that like, you know, not all little girls want to grow up to be pretty queens with the princes. Some of them want to do other things and people shouldn't tell them they can't just because they have a vagina, not a penis. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's been a long... St- and I, I, but I also think that Arya is quickly sussed out that Littlefinger is not to be trusted. Now that's something sure. that we know that Sansa already knows. Mm-hmm. But I think what... It reminds me a lot of the conversation that um, Balin Greyjoy had with Theon when Theon comes back and says, hey, you know, Rob's ready to take back the North and, you know, this could be an opportunity to your family. And Balin's like, you spent too long with the wolves. You forgot what it's like to be a squid. I think that Arya is worried that, well, first of all, yeah, let me let me finish my sentence. I think Arya is worried that Sansa has been corrupted by the process that has molded her into the thing that she is. Like, that she is a schemer on par with the Lannisters and not uh, a person like Ned. Who, there's several episodes, like or several times this episode, you know, John refers to him as he's good through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's this un- incorruptible person. And Arya, I think, sees herself as a, and John as a direct part of that lineage. That they like, they've been through some shit, but they haven't been corrupted by it. Where you know, Sansa has 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 been through this other process, and Arya's distrustful for it. So I think that part of this is a is a trap to see how Sansa is going to react to like scheming by Littlefinger, how she's going to handle the Lord's flattery, and and also maybe a warning for Arya that like, look, you cannot go too far. You you cannot. Like, 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 you can't say that I'm a little girl. You can't say this is politi- politically expedient. You have to do, you have to start, you have to start being a fucking Stark now. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's tough for me, like, knowing everything that Arya has been through to say that Sansa is any different than Arya. They've both come out the other side much stronger, and they've both done very similar things, but, right? But Arya takes direct action against people. Sansa still doesn't, because that's not who Sansa no, is. No, Ar- Arya's path led her to Tywin Lannister, right? who she waited on hand and foot for months or years, perhaps, right? D- doing exactly what Sansa did. Um, I'm not sure how she's on such a high horse here, telling 
you know, I, I guess I'm not understanding why she doesn't see the nuance between helping the Lannisters willingly or helping the Lannisters to get by now that, temporarily. What you just said there is a great example. And if Sansa could have thrown it in her face, I'm, I think she 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 would have, and it would have scored a point. The fact that you you served wine to Tywin uh, yeah. Lannister, right? Jack and Hagar tells her while, that, like the same thing here. While he was plotting to kill our brother and betray him with the the phrase, so like I, but the, but Sansa doesn't know that detail. Sure, and I, yeah, and it is also but certainly Arya does, and I feel like she should cut a little slack here. But then, then no one works that way. Like you know, there's this saying that like the only unfair standard you can hold people to is your own, right? Because you okay. you know like your own morals and ethics and what you wouldn't wouldn't do, but you also conveniently know all the times where you've been those and the good reasons you had for it. So sure. without an external thing to remind you of, it's easy to get up your ass about this stuff. But um, the other thing is like it's it's there's a lot of like misinformation here. Like Arya is like I saw you on that platform looking pretty and smiling with your King Joffrey. Well, Joran grabbed you and wouldn't let you see when Sansa was shrieking and horrified and ple- pleading for her father's life. Right. And the fact is that you know I, I, it is it, like it is frustrating. I'm not sure how much of it is frustrating because they're fucking it up, and how much of it they're mm. frustrating because it's des- by design. Because I think it's all by design. I just think it's meant to also be camouflaged um, huh. but behind whatever facade Arya is putting up right, right. now, because which I don't quite understand. What Arya is saying is, why didn't you fight the way I would fight? Mm-hmm. And what Sansa is saying, I can't fight the way you're fi- you fight. Even if I was had the exact same training and stuff, like I'm just a different yeah. type of person. But you couldn't do the things I did, like unite a people to come and save. Like John who fights like you would have fucking died without me. And I, like I said, I think Arya knows this is, this is just, I think Arya knows she's going to kill a little finger. She's just not sure if she's going to have to kill Sansa too. Hmm. And I okay. don't know. And unfortunately I, I'm, I think that Sansa's playing right into, to Littlefinger's trap here because it seems that that's the thing that came across in second. I was a little confused by that. It does seem that Sansa wants Brienne out just so she can deal with Arya. Mm-hmm. And dealing with Arya, I think in Sansa's mind is she's gonna if she can't figure if she can't if she can't get the upper hand over her and control her, she's gonna have to kill her. And yeah. if and, and if that's really what she thinks and that's the decision she makes at the end of the day, I think that Sansa's probably gonna die by Arya's hand, and I'll probably feel that's right. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, I mean, yes, yeah, I've seen some interesting theories floating around about uh, Littlefinger and Arya, but we'll get there. No, uh, no, we won't. I'm not considering any theories uh, until until next week because it's just too fucking risky. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you don't want to talk about them. Yeah, not going to happen. On this podcast where we talk about Game of Thrones. Hey, I'm just saying that I saw, I, I saw a lot of theories too and like uh, so many of them and phrased so similarly that like I ain't fucking touching it. All right, we move on to Tormund trying and failing to converse with the Hound because that's not what the Hound does. Uh, he does learn what dick means though, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Is it... it or, I, that's I thought I yeah I so wildlings don't understand the word dick. Yeah, it, it's like if you had never heard the term boot and you somebody said, "Hey, uh, get in the boot and get me uh, my luggage" or something, right. and you'd be like, "What? You keep your luggage in your, your boot? boot? What, what the fuck? Hobo shit is this?" I, yeah, I guess. of course, of course, terminology is different. Uh huh. Anyway, that the I, he also tells the hound that he wants to make babies with Brienne. Uh, then Beric bonds with John over the resurrections, and he questions why he was resurrected. And Beric says it's to fight for life, essentially, those who can't fight for themselves. Then they come upon the mountain like an arrowhead that the hound saw in the fire. 
I like yeah, I like Tormund thinking about this in like uh like old school, like not the conventional attractiveness of Brienne, but the fact that like, oh my god, imagine our genetics. Like we would yeah. make these monsters that would stride the globe like <laughs> right. atlases. It's, it's almost like a Cal Drogo sort of view of the world. Yeah, like you know, you you see like the old like the old like two thousand twenty thousand year old fertility goddesses and they're just like giant boobs and butts and hips because like i got big like this was a woman that can pass giant babies through her hip bones she, yep. she knows how to play the game of pelvic bones and she's gonna fucking win uh i i thought that 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 was really great uh yeah. and also like to this point like this i guess what i was going with this odd dick stuff is i thought that Tormund is kind of fucking with the hound in exactly the same way he was doing gendry like I think, because even if you say that he doesn't know the dick equals cock, the way he says "ah, dick," I like, I like it. it. Yeah. Like you fucking know what that means. Like you can't be making these crypto homo homophobic jokes and then and then be the butt of one and not get it. I think it's. I, yeah. I think he's 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 fucking with the hound. Could um, be because the hound needs to be fucked with. Honestly, yeah, yeah. The hound is just a spoil sport here. He's not having any of the conversation. He, at he's all. got a charred broomstick shoved up his ass, and yep. someone needs to pull it out and become king, king of England because it's 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 a tragedy. Yeah, uh, and Beric seems to get through to John here a little bit. You know, uh, I feel like John might be the most black brother of all. Yeah, with what he's doing here. You know, people made a whole bunch of. Uh, it just had problems with John leaving, um, even if he was killed, you know, right. and technically released from his vow. They they were like, well, he's not living up to the spirit of his vow. No, I think he is more than ever. He's the only guy who's out there trying to protect the realms of men, be but, that shield. And he's the one that, that that realized the realms of men included the wildlings when when death is at your door. And it, he, he yeah, the the Night's Watch reminds me a lot of like the Jedi Order from the prequel yeah. trilogy. Like they're they're so rigid and up their own ass and adhering to rules for their own sake that they forgot the reason why they exist. Yeah, and that's how you can have like Black Brothers talking themselves into betraying their Lord Commander, not once but several times because the Lord Commander's starting to get a little wobbly on the idea of wild, you know persecuting wildlings. Um, yeah, and I thought I thought that was great. I also like the 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 sly. You don't look much like your father. Mm-hmm. Because you know John shouldn't look anything like Ned. Right. Uh, he should he should look at anything like you know a blend of Liana and. Ray. Did you see that thing I posted to Facebook two weeks ago? I don't think so. I said uh, production leak of uh, a photo of Rhaegar Targaryen. Someone had taken uh, <laughs> Viserys from season one and superimposed Jon Snow's face onto him, so he had the gold. That sounds and, and like Jon Snow with like a particularly stupid look on his face, and they gave him like white skin and like a, the purple <laughs> eyes, and it was it was really really funny. Nice, but yeah, um, I, I you know I I like the idea that people are just like openly giving us this red meat, you know, for for Jon not being a, an actual. Well, I guess he's still a Stark. He'd be a Targaryen too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, Double D's really good at this dialogue. Like mm-hmm. this, this synthesis of like, what does the Lord of Light want of me versus do we need to know more than we're enemies of death? I, yeah, it's great. It's great. That's that's a great thesis to build a, a season on. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go over to Danny and Tyrion talking. Um, they they talk about the possibility of a meeting with Cersei and how it'll go down. They know that she's setting a trap, but Tyrion's not sure that laying a trap in return is the right idea. And he makes the mistake of insinuating that Danny might do something impulsive, like she did when she burned the Tarleys. She's not happy about Tyrion's stance on that, and he suggests that they need to change the world and also think about her successor. She's really not happy about that one. Uh, I, I, 
I, I like a lot of the dialogue here as well. Like, I think this episode has some really, really strong interactions between characters in it. Mm-hmm. And the, the only place where maybe it falls down a little bit is some of those, you know, technicalities. Yeah. Tyr- I mean, Tyrion just pushes too hard, too fast. Yeah. Um, all these things need to be said. Uh, he can hear Varys in his ear saying, you got to get control of her. And he tries to eat the whole apple rather than take a bite out of it. Yeah. Because he's, he's dead on. Mm-hmm. Like, this is stuff that Danny's not thinking about. Like, you have to make a decision right the fuck now versus I'm going to give you some time to think about this yeah. kind of thing. I mean, she needs to be more of a James Bond villain, strap him to a laser that's slowly eating away at the crotch and be like, you know, uh, you can bend the knee or you can get your dick burnt off. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, now, wow, where do you stand between Danny? Uh, maybe you should think short-term more than long-term versus Tyrion. We need to take the long-term play because if you, if you, if you go so long-term, you don't, you, you never get to win the game, and then yeah. all your long-term plans mean nothing. Vice versa, if you go, you know, so short-term, right. you win in the moment, you may lose inadvertently some future battle you, you that might, you didn't know you were going to fight. You might you might make it impossible to achieve the goals yeah. that you said you wanted. Now, you know, power is a means to an end. How do you use it? Well, if you use your power in such a way that you can't use it for good in the future without, you know, accusations of hypocrisy or whatever... You know, what the fuck? Yeah, I think I come down more on Tyrion's side because this this idea of a successor clearly offends Danny, Right. Because it suggests that she might not be completely invincible and destined to become the queen that she wants to be. Um, but it's... Tyrion mentions this. You know, he's seen the arrows flying at her. He's seen the, the weapon that could kill her. Right. Um, and if she dies at this point without appointing a successor of any kind, her cause dies with her. Yeah. Now, Cause, cause if she's th- able to, you know, d- unlink her cause from herself, her yes. physical form, that's what Tyrion's trying to get at. She's not like Batman. <laughs> essentially, yeah, she has to train somebody else, like to take over. Because you're right. Who who but, did Dothraki follow? They don't follow her dream of no, breaking the wheel. No. They follow the the Dragon Queen that burnt their leaders and forced them to kneel at the at Dragon Point. Yeah, like, so the- he's got a good point, but he also, I think, is. Something is blinding him. I don't know if it's his family, like his love for his family um, residually, or if it's this long-term thinking. But Danny's right that he's lost two crucial battles. Yeah, and it's not just that. It's like, I do think, and I never would have said this before this season. I think this is one thing they're doing well, that I don't even think Tyrion can acknowledge it, but he does have a blind spot for his family. For sure. Like the fact that he's... At least Jamie. The fact that he's trusting Jamie not just to keep his word, but to be able Mm -hmm. to control his sister yeah. as he's talking to a woman who he has the he has no control over right like you said the same thing to jamie but if if, if danny wants to fucking burn every motherfucker in king's landing she's gonna do it mm-hmm. so like what i, I it, it is an interesting blind spot and and I, he does he also has like this is why this is a great scene of dialogue like it's it's there are skillfully verbally fencing each other because he's like yes i do think about my family and i do try to think like them because that's how you win that's you have to this is little fingers sure. you have to fight every mental battle simultaneously all the time and never stop right uh that that is because if you, if you can't if you don't you have no other option than to might versus right them mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to persuade you're never going to be able to try to find leverage you're never going to be able to successfully use that leverage to get someone to do something in a non-military campaign yeah. so 
I mean, this is Game of Thrones at its best, where it eschews a black and white narrative in in favor of embracing shades of gray. And you're like, do you are you like a seventy five percent agree with Danny and twenty five Tyrion? Are you forty five fifty five? I'm like sixty forty. It's real close here. And that's why, like, whenever they deal with the Night King, it's tough because like everyone's lever is zero. Per- I mean, there's yeah. I don't think there's a fan out there like you know. Honestly, <laughs> I think the Night King has a point. Yeah. Like you know, we we've given warm blood. Long enough. We've got them 8,000 years, and look what we've got. Fucking Lannisters on the throne. Um, But as the show deals with that threat versus this stuff, it is a lot more Mm -hmm. one-dimensional. And yet that's ultimately what the show is going to be about. So, Here's the thing. I think that Tyrion and Danny have the upper hand, not just militarily but strategically. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Tyrion, we see him actively, like, thinking about these things and – you know, enacting plans that are sound. Whereas I feel like a lot of the stuff that has happened on the Lannister side that has been good for them has happened almost accidentally. Like yeah. Euron showing up, right. totally out of the blue. Yeah. Cersei couldn't have predicted that and didn't even really use it when yeah. it happened. Euron yeah. just went off and did his own thing. Yeah. Um, the the Casterly Rock move, I don't know who made that move. Like who made that decision, right? right. Clearly Jamie was in on it because he was the one executing the plan, but was it him and Cersei? Was right. it like... Was it Kyburn and Cersei who came up with it? And Jamie was like, that's not a good idea or it whatever. It seemed like it was Jamie because they, they talked about him being the kind of the, the war commander. And, and when he yeah. was talking to Lena, it seemed like this was all kind of his brainchild. But yeah, your 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 point your point's well taken. And so I guess my question to you is let's say that Danny had a three to one odds to win because mm-hmm. she's got, you know, over three dragons. She she, <laughs> she, had, she had more kingdoms supporting her or mm-hmm. more more people supporting her. She had the three dragons. She had the giant unstoppable armies of both the uh, Dothraki and the uh the, the the unsullied and and so she's like okay well I got time to play it Tyrion's way because I've got so many overwhelming advantages I could lose any two or three and still maintain my lead mm-hmm. at what point does she go fire and blood does she wait until it's 50-50 like I that I and I guess that's the yeah. tension because yes why from anytime you have a position of strength you it, it's it's a stereotypically good thing to do to be magnanimous to your enemies, mm-hmm. but when you're in a fight for survival, that's when you start firebombing your your you know that's when the good guys start firebombing Dresden and dropping bombs on Hiroshima. Right. Like okay, you know we're in a existential survival mode. We have to fucking crush and bring, and then we can talk about niceties later. Um, I, and the thing complex about yeah. Danny is we don't know whether like in her core. You know, is she the good, merciful, you know, breaker of chains, or is yeah. she the vengeful mother of dragons? Mm-hmm. And I don't like. And she seems to kind of swing between those two extremes. Like with Tyrion, she's like kind of fire and blood. With with John, she's humble and meek, and I hope I'm worthy of your. It, it's it's. She's yeah, a fascinating it, character. Yeah, I mean, uh, in a lot of cases, she seems to be you know battling her head and her heart, not yeah. just not just Cersei. Um, which I think is good for a character. Um, yeah, you know, it, it makes for an interesting character. And I enjoy watching it. Um, I certainly think Tyrion's job is not getting easier. Tyrion's job is getting harder and harder. Yeah. With every lost battle, with every lost dragon or or force, like things are going wrong for him, and it just gets harder from here. Yeah. But on the other thing, as a guy who's been talking about this whole you know democracy thing, uh, it does feel like that's that. 
I feel like they're giving away the end of the game, having Tyrion meditate on two democratic institutions in Night's Watch, where they literally cast votes for their leader, and mm-hmm. Ironborn, where the King's Moot's essentially the same thing. You hear campaign speeches, and you decide who do you think has got the best speech, and who's the one that's able to keep. And then, <laughs> and then you the drown king. the winner. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you drown the winner, give him CPA. It's not perfect. <laughs> it's not. It's not perfect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shit. Like we got the electoral college and indirect democracy ourselves, but. I, I do feel like it's it's that's almost a sure thing now. Like, mm-hmm. and and to the extent that like I kind of almost don't want to talk about who's going to sit the Iron Throne because it does feel like it's this is like an anti Aegon or the Conqueror. Like Aegon came, fire and blood, forged the Iron Throne. Danny's going to come with some kind of more kinder, gentler version of Targaryen democracy and destroy the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. So John and company stumble on some white bears that eat a bunch of red shirts and mangle Thoros um, with a flaming sword to the chest and a little rum. He's able to continue on, though. And then they I think what they're doing here is following the bear tracks. They certainly look at them. um, And I guess that helps them out of this crazy, crazy storm that's going on. Right. Where they couldn't see a damn thing. So I thought this was a great scene. However... You can't talk about it being a great scene without acknowledging that number one, above all, this whole plan of John is fucking stupid. Sure, yeah. Because no, I, I it, it, it beggars my imagination that John, Danny, uh, Varys, and uh, uh, Tyrion all think that Cersei can can be convinced. Yeah, um, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> so it's 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 dumb. Uh, and also, the red shirts mm-hmm. were whole uh, like. The way they use them in just exactly the way that we like if if you go to TV tropes dot 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 org or dot com and look up red shirts, like this is a textbook definition. Mm-hmm. And I start thinking like why I'm not sure why we had a seven episode season season this year. Because if you had the traditional ten episode season, you could have made them going to the wall over several episodes and you could you could have introduced some of these red shirt characters like two of these are brothers they've had some notable brothers of that banners like the one super cool archer guy yeah like just throw him in there show him on a previously on give him a couple lines of memorable dialogue have him challenge somebody to a, a you know an arrow contest on the ship and then like you there's a guy you instantly he's 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 like a maroon shirt mm-hmm. you know he's he's almost yeah. someone you care about but they they didn't do like they didn't give them like all these walking and talking scenes, yeah. these guys are literally in the background struggling with beasts of burden and like bags and shit. Yeah, they're they're like the bellhops of the the Magnificent Seven, and it's just <laughs> unbelievably lazy and poor storytelling. Because you know, and then at the end, I guess the dragon's a major character, obviously. Um, the Syrian dying, uh, and I, I also I'm amazed at how many people said that that was like a real emotional, not like. A vicariously emotional, like I feel bad for Danny. She lost a child. I feel bad for the good guys because they've lost their, you know, ace, one of their aces up their sleeve. Mm-hmm. Like I empathize with the CGI dragon. Yeah, they've always tried to position these as, <laughs> you know, connected to the audience through Danny, and I've never felt that except with Drogon. Maybe, yeah, maybe a couple times with Drogon. But these other two dragons, I don't give a shit about. Honestly, yeah, like it was super sad, and it was. Like I, I understand if it was sad when this dragon slumped into the water. But like it, it, I get it, but not because right. I was connected to the dragon yeah. itself. I don't even know its fucking name. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'm not making fun of you if you feel this way, but it's like it reminds me a lot like an aftermath of Red Wedding where people like, I didn't feel anything about like, you know, I watched a woman getting her baby cut out of her stomach and a woman getting her throat slit and Rob pierced their arrows. But boy, when they went after Grey Wind, tears. Like, yeah, I uh. <laughs> I think it's I think it's an interesting commentary on human nature, what you can and cannot empathize with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, all that said, I th- also like another thing I think they did a particularly poor job of is establishing the fact that all these guys are armed to the teeth with dragon glass or some kind of white anti-white weapons. Okay, like um, I, th- I think it was maybe it was Chris and Andy, maybe it was Alan Seppenwall said that we really need like a gearing up scene mm-hmm. like john's like all right here's your dragon glass here's you know you got your two daggers uh what and, and um jorah and and everybody because and and also other than one throwaway scene where john at the beginning of the season says we all know that uh, dragon glass is the key to defeating the white walkers and their armies i was not sure that dragon glass killed whites mm-hmm. as effectively as white walkers and i guess it does because, like, you know, that cave bear was set on fire and was whooped on, but until someone came with a, a obsidian dagger and stabbed him in the head, it was still coming. Hmm. And, like, um, they also showed the, the, the hound smash with Gendry's Warhammer, the one guy, and he ended up getting back up, and then he drops the 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 thing in the the, the Warhammer in disgust and pulls out his obsidian daggers and starts going to town. I felt like yeah. they... Number one, they didn't establish because I had a lot of emails saying like, "Whoa, good job, John, mining all that fucking dragon glass. Where was it when it was there? They just mm-hmm. didn't show." I mean, they did a little bit. Like, I feel like they showed it occasionally. Like Jorah, when he pulls out the sword, he also pulls out a dagger, and you can see that it's like dark material. It's but it was not just steel. It was. I was confused when I first saw that. It's like, why is he pulling out the dagger? And then I'm like, oh, it's obsidian. And then like yeah. in the last episode, they showed in the background John's men loading up big wooden boxes, presumably full of dragon glass Putting into his on ship. The boat, yeah. Um, I just feel like that if that's an important plot point, they should have put it a little bit for uh, a little bit more in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, I could probably get behind that. I do like that Thora saves the hound and then gets killed for it. Uh, he's the one to knock the hound out of the way. Is the hound never is, is the hound never going to overcome his fear of fire? I don't uh, know. You're probably right. He probably needs to for character development purposes. The fact that it's still like one of the I mean I don't know maybe it's like Mister T uh, who's afraid of flying and he just never gets over it throughout the whole whole A team career. But uh-huh. I feel just like a thing. Yeah, it's just like he's just a, you know you got to give him some sleepy milk so he can get on the plane. Uh, but if every single time that or bones, right? I don't want to be teleported. I'm right. Th- those damn machines right. scattering my atoms across the galaxy. Right. Maybe it's just his his thing. But it feels like that. That's there's this key brit- brittleness to him that he's this scared little boy and, and has never gotten out of that fate. That, that for him to be the heroic character, I think we want him to be, and that I think deep down he wants to be. It seems like he's mm-hmm. got to let that go. It's a big weakness, yes. if nothing else. Especially if you've got half your squad fighting with fire weapons yeah. and setting the enemy on fire. Right. Uh, you, you, you know, it's, 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 it's not a good look. No, so there's uh, Sansa now is worried about the loyalty of the Northern Houses mm-hmm. if they hear about this letter. Uh, she talks with Littlefinger about it, who reassures her that she's doing a great job with him and that her sister won't betray her. Uh, he also reminds her that um, Brienne would step in and protect her if Arya tries to reveal the letter, uh-huh. uh, which we'll see the aftermath of here in a minute, but an interesting choice by by Sansa, and quite obviously a ploy by Littlefinger. Yeah. You know? 
um, getting in Sansa's head. Also, those weird inconsistency here. Sansa reckons that she has twenty thousand men that she's lo- worried about losing. Yet in the previous episode, John and uh, Davos were talking about how many men they have to command, and John says, "What do I have? Ten thousand fewer, less." Uh, and mm-hmm. and so it's like, what? That's you know, if you're going to if you're going to stick to these round these round number reckonings, double D's, get it, get get your shit together. Write it on a write it on a, a whiteboard. You know, North has ten thousand men, and then keep yeah. referencing that. Um, I mean, this is what this is the thing that I don't understand because I don't want Sansa to try to murder her sister. Mm-hmm. I really want them to find a way to be together, and for her to to take this rather obvious piece of advice from Littlefinger and send Brienne away, and uh, I guess an attempt to make it if she does have to make an attempt on Arya's life that she'll have a, a chance at it. I I don't know. That makes me like Sansa less. It, <clears throat> Am I supposed to? I don't know. I'm I I'm trying to figure out what exactly is going through Sansa's head. Does she think Arya's just crazy? Cuz like I I think you could read Arya as just like she's she's insane. Maybe so. She's wearing the like this is some fucking Jeffrey Dahmer shit that she's got going on and she's been super traumatized and she joined this death cult and she's just a loose cannon and yeah she's loyal to me and john now but she could just as easily think that we're both not true starks and and kill us in her sleep the next moment mm-hmm. yeah i guess i don't know why exactly she sends brianna away um there's no other explanation than she wanted her not protecting Arya. or protecting herself maybe, maybe she doesn't want her to kill Arya if it comes to it mm. like i I think it feels like to me like she's more fate. loyal to Sansa. Like it's a show of like it's like I'm going to send Brienne away so that I don't have any protection. Yeah, but maybe then I'm, why would you? As soon as Arya creeps into her bedroom, why would you be like, I have hundreds of men loyal to me? <laughs> yeah, know? it's it's like I said, I like it, and I like I like Arya's side of the story. Sansa's, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, and I, I actually don't understand why, for the life of her, she goes to Littlefinger after. Yeah, we've seen her time and time again at Winterfell say, "Yeah, whatever, Littlefinger, bye." Right now she's going to seek his counsel because her sister was mean to her. What the fuck? Yeah, that and didn't I, make any sense to me. So it has got to be some kind of ploy, and I just don't understand what it is yet. I think it would be cool if the if the sisters were independently plotting to do the same thing, which is kill Littlefinger, and then at the end they kind of like mutually realize that. Although I guess it would mm-hmm. be equally tragic if they're doing that and they misinterpret those actions and end up. <laughs> hurting each other and that's a little that's pretty game of thronesy i just wish mm. i saw that on sansa's side like in Arya's, it seems like okay she she knows little finger is a creep she's i've seen it on her face as she's watching him skulk around the castle um but also i think Arya could be a bit of a fink here i need to make sure that she's true blue before i, I make any hasty hasty moves uh but but Sansa, i don't see the percentage in what she's doing yeah and, and that's the thing it's it's not that I don't believe that there is an incentive there or mm-hmm. or what percentage she's got, but I just don't see it yet. And yep. I'm sure, you know, if there is something going on there, they will eventually reveal it, and it may or may not satisfy everyone who's got questions right now. Yeah. And I'm kind of reserving judgment until then. That's a good point. Right now, I'm just very confused by right. it. Right. There's, there's enough stuff you can you can take issue with now that, like, I feel like trying to proactively figure out this plot so you can shit on it is probably not right go because like you know if it's if it's there to be shit on it'll be there to be shit on and we'll have the toilet paper or Uh, or shitting on the fact that it is confusing (laughs) it could be intentionally 
confusing. Yeah, right. The obfuscating the real thing that's right. going on here. Um, but you have, so. didn't have to wait for the reveal. Now, there's a lot yeah. of people in the feedback saying that took us to task for that, saying, like, why do you think there's going to be some grand... Like, didn't we go through this with Arya last season, and turns out she got bullshit stabbed in the guts, and the wave should have won, and she didn't, and she didn't sure. because she's the other one's Arya, and it was stupid and didn't make sense, and we're like, oh, well, I guess we just have to chalk that up to whatever and move on. Like, how many times do you do that before you're like, no, this is just bullshit? But and... there have also been so many instances where you don't see the outcome happening. Yeah. You know, you don't... You know that there are gears turning and right. wheels spinning, but you don't know what to what end. Yeah. And then the end is revealed, and it's more awesome than you could have imagined. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like this show sometimes could go either way. The problem with that is I think, like, if you're a book reader, like, when you were saying that, it's like, I've never felt that way on the show because I've always seen those gears. But I have felt like the books, oh. and so the books are based on the show, and to the extent that the show's no longer based on the books... Like you're right. Like, like I think your I, position is switched, right? Yeah, you're essentially saying you're giving credit to potentially George Martin, or you're giving credit to Double D's for stuff that George Martin did, and now mm-hmm. George Martin is not as involved, and he's not as is is there in the bones of the show. So why are you assuming that this is going to be some deft grand plan? Right, and that's that's a fair criticism. It's just a pre. It's just a, you're just betting on the show to fail, and I, I'm not there yet. Yeah, but the I'm idea betting on the show that- to win. Yeah, me too. I I don't want to see this show devolve into. It is amazing how quickly in the last two, like we went from like you know everyone kind of universally hailing season show three with some quibbles, like well you know kind of bullshit that Jamie got saved and all that, mm-hmm. but like to two weeks later where almost every major critic was like tut tut and harumming and like oh boy this should have you know yeah. like like Chris and Andy said on the watch like you know. At the end of episode three, we're like, oh, my God, what it must be to, like George Wa- Martin to – it's like like they stole his basketball and ran it back and dunked it over him. Uh-huh. And now it's like maybe George is having a last laugh. Like, hey, it's harder to fucking wrap this thing up. But then, then you could also say like, well, George only has the last laugh if he does it better. If he doesn't do sure. it at all, then yeah. f- they, the double Ds win by default. And also, why is this a competition? Like double Ds are fans of this material. That's the reason they got it. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, and it's I, hard out there for us fans. I mean, I definitely had more more of a problem with last week's episode when they developed this plan, this insane plan. Oh, the plan, plan is the, the and, and it's the fundamental, you know, bullshit raft that's carrying the rest of the show. But it's, it's bullshit prime. But, but all, you all other bullshit derives from its source. Yeah. Absolutely, but saying that you also can't say that if a show makes one misstep, it's forever damned by that misstep and it can never recover. Because I feel like that's where a lot of people are going. Like. Oh well, there was a lot of cool stuff that happened this episode, but wasn't it? But it all happened on the back of this bullshit plan, which I hate. So yeah. it's all null and void. Yeah, no, 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 like, that's like not true. Two years from now, we could look back in this two two episode stretch as a minor misstep that they had to take to get to someplace cool. But sure. it's I will say that the the doors opening up wider and wider to just openly questioning whether that's going to happen because every misstep mm-hmm. they take this late in the game is less time for them to recover. And sure, wow yeah. us with with spectacle and 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 a dramatically fitting conclusion to theory, the series, mm-hmm. especially since a lot of people fell in love with this because it was a political pot pot you know pot boiler with dragons and whites, not because it was an epic fucking bro show. No, yeah, me included. So they're like kind of risking alienating some of the fans that like the more nuanced stuff with like, oh well, we're just gonna go for broke for spectacle. Well, that will please half of the fans at best, right? So it's like I said, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, we get some more marching. They, uh, John and company spot a group of whites, and they go to capture one. They get it, but it screams and alerts others who chase him onto a rock in the middle of a lake. 
Gendry gets away and runs back to the wall to tell Dan Danny what happened. Um, Thoros dies during the night, and they burn his body, and they're talking about what to do. John says he wants to wait for Danny to help. Beric wants to try to somehow kill the White Walkers on the hill. I don't know what the fuck Beric is on about here. I think he's saying that, yeah, maybe they should go for, like, a last stand charge at this guy and... They're surrounded. Let me ask you. They're surrounded by a ring of walkers. Can I, can, can I ask a question that I think is is fair? Uh huh. Why, why no obsidian arrows from them? Yes, from John and company. Yes, like they had a boat ride from Dragonstone. Yeah. It's not that they don't have with, obsidian with, arrows; they don't have any bows. They don't have any bows or <laughs> yeah. sticks. They could right. not find bows, strings, or sticks. And yeah. and, and I, I like that's the shit that kind of drives me crazy because it's not just the compression. The fact that we didn't see the travel and that was like another traveling road show that might've been entertaining and they could develop these red shirts. And like, that's, that's, that's like, that's like, that's a little bit of whinging. Mm-hmm. But as a result of all that, they don't have equipment that you would, you would, you would expect a band of 13 warriors to have at their disposal. And which point, like when John would it like a bear gestures to the Knights King that's a hundred yards away. And, and John's like, fuck, you're right. Everybody knock arrows. Ding! Like, what you yeah. know like that's there and i don't think there's a logical comeback from that they they had time to make it mm-hmm. uh we've seen john and the other like tormund use bows like there's yeah. just they just don't want you to ask those questions yeah i guess not um uh yeah what did I you think know. about the the rule that we discovered because this is brand new information uh that you kill the the White Walker progenitor of whites and all of the whites that he personally sired, I guess. Like this is like mm-hmm. some vampire mythology that they've. Uh, the, 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 how that strike you as like a fantasy skeptic? Uh, was fine. I okay. mean, it's as good as any other rule for these okay. undead magical beings. All right, um, but but they demonstrated a rule which I like. Yeah. Um, did that you, satisfied me. I, I I I saw a lot of people in feedback like it's. I thought it was dumb that you had like fifteen whites disintegrate and only one was left behind. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess maybe that. I feel like they got like he got mixed up. You know, it's it's like okay, all these all right. these guys. We have hundreds of thousands of these yeah. whites, and they all kind of look the same. Like, all right, you twelve. I think all twelve of you belong to Horus or whatever his name mm-hmm. is. You go with Horus. You investigate this fire. Oh, what? One of you wasn't Horace's? Mm-hmm. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> what are the other White Walker's much. name? Horace's Pete. Uh, Pete. Yeah. Right. Pete's in there. Zachary. Zachariah. Um, Zachariah. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Zachariah. Probably Stark. He used to be a Stark. <laughs> um, I, I do think that, like, there again, like, I guess if I was in the writer's room, I'm like, really? Just one left? What if there's, like, two or three and like you could have a scene where Tormund's like you know it's like well, let's let's pick the least rotted one oh. and it killed because then it's like you're acknowledging like like it's a little too pat and a little too mm-hmm. perfect that you killed you 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 killed all the whites except for one that happened to be and now you can just knock him down and take him right and it wouldn't have made the scene that much longer and it would have silenced some of these guys like I maybe the double D's have been working with people like sucking their 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 collective cocks for so long that they're they don't think of people like they've never had this experience of people nitpicking the shit out of them Hmm. so they're like not as armored but i don't know i just feel like that's good writing or they're so familiar with the material and the ideas that they have in their head right that they don't consider as closely as they should what people on the outside will be 
yeah. thinking about when they're watching these scenes. Or maybe there's just so much damn plot left to, to, yeah. to dispense, and there's so many bullet points, and they're so unconnected that they're just like, this is literally the best. Now, yeah, Or they're I, so stressed for time. Yeah. Like, and I don't, like I said, I, I, there's big picture things I'm more let, inclined to let slide than small, like, you know, like, like tell the story you want to tell is the best you can do. And I don't think they're even telling the story they want to tell the best they can do right now. Yeah. Like, if the story is shit, like, okay, John's playing dumb, but the execution was bonkers, and within the context of the stupidity of the plan, the execution was perfect, I don't think they're doing that. I think yeah. they're doing a, a B-minus job telling a D-plus story right now. <laughs> okay. That's probably fair. Yeah. And that's, like, you like you really need, if you're, you're telling a D-minus story, you need an A-plus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, I said in the instant take that I thought this fire was set by Bingen. On second watch, I think it's actually an ambush. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. I think the John and his company set this up. Yeah. So, so it's just, yeah. They, which which retroactively makes me think less of Bingen just showing up out of nowhere. Right. Um, which is unfortunate, but... And I do think that, like, the them being on a frozen ice island um, is approaching A-plus execution. Because if you're going to have this unbelievable setting, you know, like, I, I do believe that, like, seven guys plus a red shirt or two that needs to die screaming still uh can make it across this lake and like ten thousand whites would shatter it mm-hmm. uh i do believe that like because because some people say like well whites can't swim or whites can't do this whites can do that it's like i don't know because like it's a magical thing that like you know magic has trouble with with cold iron and steel and magic has trouble with water for some reason like mm-hmm. it could just be that they can't cross moving water for fucking reasons yeah that's a vampire thing too sure uh so like i that i thought that was that would that was pretty cool and, and the dragon saving the day like as soon as they got in that island i'm like yeah it's it's a done deal that da- danny's gonna come here and save them yeah um absolutely and so and that's a great way to get him out of it it's just then even then they could they they, they couldn't help fucking up but we'll get to that all right we get to sansa who gets an invitation to king's landing she decides she's gonna send brienne in her stead Brynn's not happy about leaving her alone with Littlefinger, but she goes anyway. Uh, why answer this invitation at all? Uh, because it gets it gets Brian. I mean, I think the only reason she didn't uh, she she'd respond to it is because it gets rid of Brienne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she needed to for plot reasons. Uh, my question is why? So the way I understand this is this is a summon that's going to be some kind of this is a response of Tyrion and Jamie putting this meeting together and like all of the lords are being invited. Jon Snow, who is the king in the north is going anyway. He's bringing the he's bringing the footlong party sub which is the white walker or the the white rather. Damn uh-huh. it, I fucking did, did did it myself. Uh why would you send something to Winterfell? It's so it's it's almost like uh like a wet someone planning a wedding singing an invitation to their own home. Uh-huh. And it's like only there for Sansa and that so what I thought after my third time watching while I was was processing feedback and is is that this is actually not a genuine raven. That That's this what is I something that too. Sansa and Littlefinger cooked up just so she can make a show of it and like, oh, fuck me, I'm getting you know, getting sent to King's right. Landing. I need you to go, Brian. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. Um or potentially this is not it, it this has nothing to do with Sansa and she doesn't realize that this is Littlefinger doing um trying to get her protectors away from her yeah so that he can have greater influence because brienne has always been a thorn in Littlefinger's side right um but i i don't know i mean this could backfire right like sansa could just leave 
and go down to King's Landing and show up and say, hey, I got your note. And they're like, what note? Oh, no, I think Sansa and Littlefinger head. actually worked together on it. Yeah. Right. Or maybe Sansa did it herself. Um, uh-huh. Oh, one thing we, we glided over is there's a line where, where Toriman says when they're on the island, is like, well, unless the Lord of Light is kind enough to give us a bit of fire, we'll all be yeah. dead soon. Like, He's dude, seen this fucking dude, flaming sword three times now. Dude. Yeah. That's like Rey and Force Awakens. Like, well, if the Jedi would be kind enough to give us a lightsaber, like I've I've got one. It's here. It's clipped <laughs> to my fucking belt. What the hell? Maybe, I don't, maybe I don't... he's maybe he's taking the piss from Beric, like he was with the <laughs> Hound with the dick thing. <laughs> oh, you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess like it would be. <laughs> no, you're he right. He didn't say it like that. I can tell you that much. Right. It seemed really dumb. Of him maybe not he's to like being I like irony squared. Like the the the, the new I, the new yeah. irony is sincerity, and he's just you know, <laughs> right? Ah, uh, yeah. That, that that seemed like that was a really dumb line. Yeah. Uh, so over Tyrion's protest, Danny decides to ride a dragon's north to save. John oh, did and you hear? Brienne upgraded Podrick to competent swordsman. Yeah. No, like, he's like been all, training for a while. Like he's now. been he, no, he has not been training. He's been getting his, his <laughs> he's been getting knocked on his ass for months on end. I don't know that you get yeah. to be a better fighter just getting knocked on your ass. No. I don't know. I feel like in as much as you get you get good at being knocked activity, on your ass is what you get good at. I, I think you get progressively better. Yes, you're still getting knocked on your ass, but I think pod season two uh-huh. probably gets cut in half by that play sword she's using. Uh, pod season seven can, yeah. you know, block a couple blows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I just thought it was funny. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so over Tyrion's protest, Danny decides to ride her dragons north to save John and company. She takes them all. It's a good thing she did because she needed a, a meat shield. I, I, I like how, yeah, she did. I like how Danny has this off this Hoth outfit ready to go. Reminds yeah, the me white of, version of it. Reminds me of like the Watchmen when like the the Night Hawk or the Night Owl shows up and he's got a full Tundra gear. Uh huh. Yep. Like this is this is winter action. This is winter action, Barbie. We had sitting on the throne, Barbie, and we've got entertaining foreign kings, Barbie. And now, yeah, I don't. Man, people are. She's got an army of servants apparently making her clothes. Uh, yeah, it's like I didn't like. Did she just have that like on a rack, like in case I, I go north? Like, you know, yeah. I might go north. Why don't you go get get me like some cold weather gear? Uh, yeah, she must have. Are dragons all weather? I assume so. If their thick skin can, you know, uh, their fire made flesh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they would probably be cold blooded. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who the fuck knows? I don't know what what <laughs> dragon's temper- internal temperature is. Right. It's like if you take a polar Maybe bear, it's a million degrees. If you take you a know? polar bear to a tropical island. We got lost, and who wants that? Yeah. They take a, you know, and then if you take like a fucking naked mole rat and throw it in Antarctica, like I, it's, it's just dragons are, are all, all weather. I guess that's something we learned about yeah. in this episode. No problems. The I mean, drag- they could be the temperature of the sun yeah, sure. internally, and it's just like what a, a seventy degree difference right. is gonna is that's, gonna matter to that's, a dragon. That's no. what you don't know. All of Danny's outfits have asbestos ass <laughs> sewed into them because <laughs> also the thick skin. I think the thick <laughs> scaly hide. Might yeah, do that's the thing. Like the, uh, Daenerys has rhinoceros ass. Yeah, um, her thick scaly. Hide. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're going for, right? We're talking about the dragons. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I do. I do want to say that. Um, I loved the dragon squadron taking off. That mm-hmm. was a cool, like, you know, uh, Tyrion falling to the edge of the cliff and watching them all, like, you know, launch themselves. And that's, it's, it's yeah. a cool moment. Because you knew what you were about to get. Uh-huh. Um, speaking of that, we go over to the Hound throwing rocks at the Whites. And the White was like, not cool, man. <laughs> yeah, not, he hey, knocks the hey, jaw, Felon. Hey. Yeah. 
So good. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it makes them realize that the ice is frozen again, and they all charge. Um, I love that slight hitch they all have in their gate, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they have this, like, you know, incontrollable. Like, I, I feel like the Game of Thrones is um, really taking it through The Walking Dead. Okay. Like, they are stunting yeah. all over The Walking Dead right now. Like, not only are zombies going to look cooler, uh, and they're going to be more of a threat because they're fast moving, but we'll even do we'll even fucking do a herd better than you. Yeah. I think they are. They're killing it. Um, John and company are able to mostly fight them off long enough for Danny's dragons to arrive. They rock the house, and everyone except John piles onto Drogon. Then the Night King downs a dragon with an ice spear, and John is pulled into the lake. Everybody else leaves. John surfaces, and he's about to be overrun when Benjen shows up and gives him a horse to ride away on, and Benjen is killed by the Whites. A lot of stuff happens here. Yes, that was a, that was another big bite of the apple there, Jim yeah. Jones. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, Can we start with John screaming, fall back, fall back, to the middle of this circle that they're surrounded by? Right. There, there's a bit of a bluff. Where you there's, a bit of, there's a bit of a sheer cliff on this tiny island that Which, they're, they're on. I don't buy for a second that these whites couldn't climb that sheer cliff. Look at what they did in the caves up at the Weirwood true. tree. Or they could just mad, They could do like a World War Z thing and just kind of mass up. Right. Yeah. I don't buy for a second that that was any kind of protection. And that's the thing. Like, I So here's where I think nitpicking go to is because people like, why did the Night King just watch John for the four days. Like there, another thing is I you know, you laid out this thing and I'm gonna let you take it if you want to talk about it, because um yeah, maybe I'll believe that if they were there for four days that all this stuff would come to pass. I think they did an extraordinarily bad job of establishing that. They, like, did, they don't even try. They did a hazy job. So they, they established that it's at least overnight. Yes, they did and, that. And from that and, and there's a lot of blank missing spots in there. You could assume You could if but, you wanted to that it's four days. But if you chose not to assume that, then it could be I a just day. feel like that anytime you're telling a visual story and you have people asking basic questions like this, you're done fucked up. Like you could like again I, I like, feel like it's how a hard it would it be people how, being upset with the overall I, uh, uh, the overall plan here. Yeah, but the, but that's like saying, um, you know, bitching about your forehead being hot is a symptom of the fever you've got. Like, yes, it is, but there's also there's something underlying wrong. And I think it wouldn't have been too much to ask to be like for like a guy, a southerner. Well, Jorah's not a southerner. Uh, like Gendry to be like, how long does it take when these lakes to freeze over? And Tor and like Tormund's like, I figure, you know, he's a guy from the north. He'd be like, I figure two days, three at most. Is that mm-hmm. you know, it's like the fact that. There's because there's nothing to suggest that there's the passage of time other than people figuring out how fast a fucking crow can fly and how fast a dragon can fly and how long water can freeze in the north. It's already covered by ice and snow. So, like, I don't know if you if you think that's bitching over nothing. I think it's I, mean, I think it's daring dark people light again. I'm I, I'm I think it's daring people to, to, to lose their suspension of disbelief for no good reason. I think people are only nitpicking this show to death like this because the fundamental plan here is so stupid and they're dissatisfied with that. I think but, these are the kinds of things that you don't even think about unless you're looking. But that's what I'm to, saying. To nitpick on If something. you know you got a D-plus plot and from the behind-the-scenes information with the double Ds, I feel like they knew that because they're all the time saying, how can we do this in a believable way? Then why the fuck go with that? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I don't know what other constraints they got, but if you know yeah. you've got a D-plus plot, you got to go A-plus execution. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't. And you're right. You're right. The fact that people are bitching is because they're dissatisfied with overall what they're getting. But, you yeah. know, 
Um, where are we at? Uh, I did like um, the, the dragons actually showing up. I thought was glorious. Um, and I actually, you know, there again, first time through, I w- it, it was in my mind that this could be the end for the Night King. Yeah, that it might maybe that's anticlimactic. But I was like, well, it makes sense that like we've spent so much time uh, with with things down south and King's Landing that maybe the whole last season will be just. Uh, wrapping that thing up and like you know maybe Euron will have a last minute strike back situation or something I I don't know but like it seemed pretty damn hopeless until the Night King got the spear out and then then you immediately like oh shit yeah no um I really love the dragons flying in and just toasting half of these fools yeah um right away and I, I don't know that I ever had the thought that the Night King would die himself here but certainly you can see just how weak um, his forces are, you know, under the threat of this new weapon. Yeah. And it, which which makes it all the more powerful when he takes one of those weapons and makes it his own. But, okay, so let's talk about because I want to talk about it some more, you know, B-minus B execution here. We talked in the instant cast about how he looks like he's deliberately targeting Drogon, and then he shifts over to the, the Viserion and, and spears him. Now, mm-hmm. some people brought, uh, point out in feedback, rightfully so, that... Viserion was in the middle of like laying a carpet bomb on another sizable portion of his army, and he might have been trying to to to, to keep his losses. But I mm-hmm. I don't. Again, if that's the story you want to tell, it's ambiguous. And to me, it would have been far cleaner to have it just be an accident that Viserion just took the bullet for Drogon accidentally, or have him even. Yeah, haven't have yeah, or even intentionally, or have him lining up on Drogon, and then as he's throwing, you see Viserys coming over like at him, breathing fire, and he, it's like a like oh shit, I got to switch targets because this is the immediate threat. Right. Like this is like all nebulous third hand guessing what the Night's King is doing, and you're asking people to fucking nitpick about it. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I did like the Hound impaling the White on the dragon spine. That was awesome. Super yeah. cool. Um, where do you did it bother you more or less, John fighting further and further from the dragon? Yeah, totally. Especially when he <laughs> moments ago was shouting, you fall more back, or less, fall you back. Said, yes, yes. <laughs> so you're saying yeah, it did bother you? Oh, oh, more or less on the second view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it bothered me equally because it was one of the big things that I noticed. Um, you know, right away in the first watch, uh-huh. uh, that didn't change much. But I mean, I guess the second time I noticed him shouting, "Fall back, fall back!" When right. He maybe five minutes later should have told himself the same damn thing. Sure. Fall back, fall back to Drogon because right. it's the means of escape and you're fighting out away from it. Right. What the fuck is wrong with you? And again, like, I, they, maybe they could have told the story that he had to fight this rear guard because of some other reason. Like, but it seemed like Drogon c- could handle any number of whites without John's assistance. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, there's probably a version of that story they could have told visually that would not be distracting, but they just, again, every single time they had, like, different ways to do it, it seemed like they took the, the, the easiest, laziest way out. So the the end there, I think, is roughly the same, um, whether John fights his way out on the ice and then escapes via vin- Bingen, uh-huh. or if he escapes on Drogon's back with the rest of the crew. Which is another, why did we then do that? Right, so I'm looking for like the reason that they needed to have John out on the ice, fall through, um, get out, have Bingen save him, and Bingen get killed. Now, Are they just trying to eliminate Bingen while they're up north because they're not going north again? Or Well, so so like we can talk some... We can, we can do some meta discussion here because... Yeah. Um, 
what the Double D said in the, the behind the scenes was that they wanted to give Bingen a send-off. I don't know if we can then say, well, they're never going north again. Uh, although maybe they do because the Night's King's got conveyance. He can go wherever he wants now, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. It, and again, if it, if you wanted to tell that story, if you wanted to be like, okay, you know, Benjen's up here and he's been suffering and he's caught between life and death, blah, blah, blah. You could tell that story in a way that it made his his, his sacrifice seem noble and not just kind of pointless and senseless like it was. Because yeah. otherwise, you're free. Yeah, you're right. Like the end result is the same. Whether John, I guess, Danny has a little bit more sympathy for him because she gets to see him with the shirt off in bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, I I almost wonder because a lot of people are like, well, why do you guys think that like John's death proof? Because you know, I had a stopwatch, and you could hold your breath and freezing water for that long and fight off cyanide. I did all the, I did, I did the fucking incest math and unladen raven math and the dragon flying math, and it all works out. And I'm like, ah, do you think it's possible that they wanted to make it in 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 a, a question in our minds whether John could be killed right now? Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's possible. Um, it's something that people have been low level asking for a while. Right. Um, like, what is the status of John as far as life is concerned? Right. Um, but I don't think this, yeah, I definitely don't think this answer is really any questions. I, I feel like it's a longer period of time passing between John going in and John coming back up than people think. I do, too. Because, because all of the white the whites have withdrawn. walked away. Yes. Yeah. And even just shuffling that many people out of an area will take... Not minutes, right. probably tens of minutes. What if every white has a jet jetpack? <laughs> <laughs> then all bets are off, and I don't know why they're waiting. They should just invade. West yeah, Coast. they just should rocketeer over that wall and be done yeah. with it. it um, I, uh, I, but but you know, yeah, I, I think I, the implication there is he's been under for a very long time. Yes, and that's like, well, it's like, well, if he if he doesn't have to breathe, why is he gas? Well, he fuck. That's the first thing he did when he got brought back to life. Like that's a human reaction to like, even if I don't know. I don't, I've never been an undead white, so I couldn't tell you. There's one I other do think thing that in this they scene. get my, my thesis is to the extent that the majority, and there's always going to be outliers that are asking these questions all the time. Sure, yeah. because you know every village has its idiots, and when your village, <laughs> oh, ext- no. when ev- no seriously, like I, I get people saying plot points because they weren't fucking paying attention. I can tell it. Like, sure, yeah, yeah. No, you were te- you were having a text fight with your girlfriend, and you looked up for five seconds, and something you didn't understand was happening. Fuck off. When when the world is your village, in the case of Game of Thrones, when everyone in the fucking planet feels like they're watching it, you're going to have a proportionate amount of idiots. But I can tell when like the whole fan base is having problems, and when it's just and this is the like the majority of the fan base is having problems. Yeah. And when yeah. when the majority of your fan base are asking these questions, you're done fucked up. I guess is is my thesis for this episode. Sure, unless that's your intention. That's. <laughs> You're like, right. Like you said earlier. We could be... Are they wanting us to question that? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did we make it to... Did we make it to John being back at Eastwatch and... and Not uh, yet. Let's talk okay. about one interesting thing. You probably have this in feedback, so I think that's why you're not mentioning it. But when John comes up for air, um, he reaches for his sword immediately, uh-huh. or he, he brings his hand over the edge of the ice, uh-huh. and you can see the close-up on... The sword. Oh, the eyes opening and closing. Yeah, I I, I looked at that, and it's. Did you did you? Do I you watched have the it several times, and it looks like the the eyes are closed. And okay. when he when John comes up out of the water, the eyes on the the pommel of the sword open. So I know what hap- is happening here. Those eyes are like cut, faceted rubies. 
and there's like a long flat they're like a princess cut and there's a long flat section and they're facing the ice and they're white and when he you can actually see when he grabs it it tilts the sword and now the these stones uh, are facing no. towards the dark sky no I'm telling no you. man he doesn't touch the sword the, no, he does. No, he does not. I, I did. No, okay. I let's, watched it on I'll HBO. I'll tell you what. Go, let's not... pause it. Let's pause it and look at it right now. All right. So we took a little bit of a research break here. We actually watched the scene, and we both are in, we're in violent disagreement. That's the only way. Um, I think that the sword has got ruby eyes, and it's reflecting some kind of like you know the the white snow and material. And when John gets his hand out of the it's 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 getting a reflection either of his hand or the skies or something. I don't think I don't think Longclaw is actually awakening or opening his eyes and I don't know what they would be hinting at if that's true. You feel that I feel that his hand is on the wrong side of the sword to ever be catching any light uh-huh. um or to be reflecting his hand in the the stone. Right. So I I don't know. The sword the sword doesn't move. It definitely changes. It might be a reflection of his hand, but it doesn't seem to make sense. If you want to look at it yourself, then, you know, it's the moment where um right before he pops out of the water, Longclaw's mm-hmm. laying there and it's it's the point of focus. And the frustrating thing is as soon as he pops out, the camera then pulls focus onto him, so now Longclaw is out of focus the rest of the time. But right. but the theory is lo- the Longclaw had eyes shut and then it opened when he came back to life, I guess. Yeah. Is that what they're trying to suggest? Um, potentially when he, okay. get, I don't, I don't know that he comes back to life here. I don't, well, I, I don't know yeah, what that yeah, yeah. means That's in assuming the context of John. Not in evidence, but, sure. but yeah, something, it, it appears to me that the eyes on the sword opened for some reason. Okay. Um, and I don't know to what end I'm not steeped in lore, but there's, there's, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of controversy over that. Anyway, um, so Danny's lost one of her dragons there. They don't need a third dragon rider anymore. I assume. <laughs> The dragon with three heads. Uh, yeah, he's all, all, all dead. She's got to change all of her her pendants that she's got in her shirt. Right, it's now two headed dragon. <laughs> uh, but John and Danny could potentially Can, ride those. I was shocked at how many people because you know I said I thought Emil Clark, Amelia Clark did a good job here. Mm-hmm. I was shocked at how many people thought that. This is the thing about fandom I don't understand. Like, you know, Darth Vader screams no when he finds out his wife's dead, and it's the stupidest fucking thing ever. But they were disappointed that Danny, who's clearly in shock and kind of disbelief that this just happened, they want her to, like, just no and fall to her knees. And, like, I don't. I thought that what she did is what you would want a commander in her situation to do. And when it was just her and an equal later, she was much more vulnerable, but Mm -hmm. I thought it was good. And I'm a known critic of Amelia Clark's like the limits and, and and restrictions of her talents. Yeah. I liked it. Okay. So Um, if you don't like, I acknowledge that that's a viewpoint you can have. I just, I just don't, I just don't share it. So the group that escaped on the dragon posts up at the wall. Danny's waiting for John to return, and he rides up just in time for a dragon ride back to Dragonstone. It's a nice touch, the fact that... Uh, no, sorry, he doesn't take a dragon ride back. They take a boat. Yeah, which, by the way... I'm not sure why. How, like, does, that infl- uh, how does that affect your calculations for this? Because it implies that Danny came with a boat? No, that's John's boat. John and company took a boat. Why has John got a fucking Targaryen boat? It had those. Those he had, took a boat from Dragonstone. It was up. his boat, though. He took a boat to Dragonstone from White Harbor. I'm guessing, right. 
which I would think would have Stark insignia and stuff. Did they just like just for spite well, we know replace for it with a, black sails and red we, dragons? We know for a fact we saw Danny ride off on her dragons. Yes. So there is no boat that she took up there. So that doesn't change the timeline. That's what I'm saying. Like, so they just pimped out John's boat. I guess so. Yeah. Hey, King of the North, we thought we, you know, those sails looking pretty beat. We played some Maybe black they never sails. intended to give it back, and they were just like, this is our boat now. This is our boat now. Let's put the real sails on it. Ah, uh, he wants his boat back. We already fucking <laughs> repainted it. Okay. I, I don't know. Again, seemed like a self inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, Maybe. I'm not sure. Um,. Because that's clearly, I thought, John's boat, and I would have I died defending that, except for it's got black sails and Targaryen seals all over it. Yeah. I don't know why they would take a boat back, though. They've got two dragons. I, maybe they really, really need that boat. Because if Drogon gets itchy shoulder blades, they all fall off. Like, that almost happened. I don't... <laughs> yeah, it should be smoother sailing back yeah. to Dragonstone. Just, just drag his, grab his spines. Grab yeah. spines. No, I Not do know that why. that spine. That's a reproductive organ. The, the other spine. It's it's because I can't imagine the conversation they have on Dragonback, <laughs> like shouting through the wind, tears yeah. streaming down their faces. Just... <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't have conversations on the way up to the wall. Why would they have conversations on the way down? Yeah. Um, oh, I, I I thought it was a nice touch too because um, John showing up on Bingen's horse is kind of a mirror of uh, Bingen's horse showing up with no rider, yep. which was like one of the big central mysteries of the the series that I guess now comes to a thrilling conclusion. Mm-hmm. Bingen just dies because there's no no time to jump on the horse. Yeah, he had to have thirty seconds to wind up his ice fire chain, uh, <laughs> or it wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't. He would have been able to take it down zero white walkers rather than right. three. Or no yeah. whites. God damn it. Whites. God damn it. Uh, all these people in the emails conflating it has, has finally gotten in my head. So we go back to Sansa, who snoops around in Arya's room looking for the letter. She finds faces in her bag. Arya comes in and tells her that she's a faceless man now, um, and she wants to play the game of faces with Sansa, but Sansa doesn't want to play. She does have some questions of her own, though. Arya says she likes faces because she can be someone else and wonders what it would be like to be Sansa. Um, not seriously, though, mm-hmm. kind of just to intimidate, and then she gives the knife to... Sansa before she turns and leaves the room. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is going on here? What do you think is actually happening between these two? I think Arya is trying to get the measure of Sansa, and unfortunately, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think Sansa's measuring up. Like she's not saying anything to Arya that's putting the, that's hmm. putting Arya at ease. Like yeah. Arya is like, look, I can kill you anytime, anyone, Brienne or no Brienne. Uh, I need you to be a fucking Stark. And Sansa is essentially li- trying to be a little finger in the scene. Yeah, and it's not. It's 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 not great. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm looking. I'm trying to look too deeply and see what the cons are. Maybe this is more surface level than I'm giving it credit for. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, it could just simply be Arya testing. Sansa. That's another statement. Like I, you know, I like some of this stuff about. Um. You know, this is some some fairly progressive feminist thought that like. Isn't it unfortunate that the world doesn't let us be what we want to be and what we're capable of being? Like mm-hmm. the, it always tries to fits us into these little molds. And you know, you were you were born at the default mold, and I wasn't, and I had to suffer and get my knuckles racked. I mean, I think a lot of people are, are saying, well, this is just Arya regressing back to childhood jealousy. Like, like the Arya secretly wanted to wear the pretty dresses and have the pretty handwriting. And no, I think it's actually Arya. I think it's actually Arya trying to get the measure of her sister and, and using that to say that, like, you know, now the position's flipped and I could have everything that you have. 
and be the thing that I want to be. And you can't do yeah. the opposite with me. Uh, but I do think it is Arya using, like, leaning on a lot of her old childish behaviors and feelings toward her sister here. Yeah. I, I think she's she's not <laughs> she's not regressing in her character. What she's doing is using who Sansa thinks she is to kind of make her point or or understand Sansa better. And Sansa, like I said, I that's that's the thing. I can see Arya's play here. I do not see like if Sansa's play is a little finger play, it's an exceptionally clumsy little finger play. No, it seems like Sansa's just in there to get the letter and get out. That's so I'm that saying. That Arya can't turn her in. Like that's really fucking clumsy. It's 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 not very subtle. It's not very. Um, elegant right you're trying to out sneak the the thief assassin yeah. ninja like that's not going to go well for you you you're you're good at yeah i'm worried though because a lot of people are are you know saying oh aria's got the upper hand and she's a much better schemer than Littlefinger will ever be and yeah. like that's not true that, that's not in evidence that is either. not true at all no. Littlefinger is the master yeah. of this kind of stuff and now, now Arya's, Arya's got an uphill battle to try and beat him that's I think. the thing Arya, I think that adds that adds potency to Arya's words like Arya wanted to be her father she wanted to be the virtuous knight that's, that meets people on the open battlefield and best them but she 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 because of circumstances of fate she can't yeah. like now she like she would fight in a way that her father would do, would, would say is dishonorable mm-hmm. probably but at least she can fight and you know Sansa can only do the thing that Sansa can do. Like I said, yeah, I see Arya's plan. I don't see Sansa's. And like, and also, where's Bran in all this? He's could, out at the tree. He's could, just couldn't Bran grab both of their hands, rolled his eyes back in his head, and let them <laughs> mind meld and see the horrors that they've all been through? And I don't know. Can you do that? I don't know. Fuck. Does anyone know? <laughs> does does I? You know, I've read all the books, and I still don't know what Bran can and can't. I didn't know the Night Knights King had surface to air missiles capable of instantly killing a dragon. <laughs> I didn't know that you kill a White Walker and all their thralls die. Like there's. You know, I'm John. I'm John Snow. You know nothing. This whole fucking season, it feels like. Speaking of mechanics, I'm unsure of. Um, Arya has faces in her bag, mm-hmm. which to me implies that she needs faces in her bag to mm-hmm. change her face. Okay. Um, I, I guess faces... that's a rule going forward. Like she has to have someone's face to be them. I think you're right. Um, but also, I th- yeah, because I, I one of those faces I thought was very strongly Lord Walter Frey. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that I think that the the you have to have the person's face to be them and Arya threat. I mean, I mean, it's like a ninety nine percent sure thing. They yeah, can still it's wiggle heavily out of implied because there's a couple things that the Jackin's done to imply that maybe you don't because certainly other people have had his face on. So either that's not his true face and he's got some other face, which I guess is entirely believable, or yeah. Arya was fucking tripping balls on the poison they gave her or who the fuck yep. knows and that's 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 frustrating we got seven episodes to go in the whole fucking series and i don't i don't really still understand this stuff uh giving sansa the blade um is she telling her to defend herself essentially or it, does she have some other is, is this to say hey i believe you is this to say you're gonna need this because people are coming after I you. Guess like, I, I guess if I, I guess if I sends, I'd be like, well, if Arya really wanted me dead, I'd be dead. Yeah, right. Like everything about the scene said that she could do that. So mm-hmm. the fact that she gave me the blade mean should tell Sansa that I'm not a threat. And there is, and maybe that's Arya's whole point. Like I'm gonna give you everything you need to figure out that I'm on your fucking side, you dumb 
crazy fucking sister of mine. Or uh, that was her saying, you passed the game of faces, you know? Could that's, that's, well, It's essentially the same thing now. Yeah. Like, you know, will, will Sansa understand that and lay it off and then unite against their actual common throat for a little finger? Right. Don't know. Because that's the other thing is now that um, I wonder if Arya, who's who's because uh, like since Maester Wolken, like what if she wanted to take a look at all of his archives and go through and find like you know that was the original theory that like oh there's some kind of Littlefinger skull fuckery going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. All right, we go to the boat. John wakes up to see Danny sitting by his bed. He apologizes for getting her dragon killed and wishes they'd never gone. Me too, John. Uh, <laughs> Danny says that she needed to know and uh, vows to destroy the Night King together. Now that she she understands the threat, John thanks her, and he is symbolically because he's unable to physically bend the knee. Um, I guess I didn't expect this, you know. Clearly, I think he needs Danny's help um, to fight this battle up north. Uh, I think he understands that Danny is trying to do good. Um, and that Danny has his back, but I just didn't really see the knee bending. And she's will well. So I think that. This conversation with Tormund influenced him. The fact that Danny dem- demonstrated she put skin, she put her skin in the game. She put her own children on the line and lost one, and is still like determined to defeat the the Night King. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that gives John like those two things together gives John the confidence to bend the knee. Now, why? Oh, why? None of them think of like what about a marriage proposal? Because I thought that's what I actually thought that was going to happen, and then. I mean, I guess them them pulling apart at the end was believable because, like, okay, well, this is moving too fast. We need to pump the brakes. I also thought Kit Harrington's performance on getting get, getting the door slammed shut, yeah. on him was hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like there was a lot of like a lot a lot of jokes in the feedback about like oh, that's not what a man looks like when he's trying to fight off a, an unwanted boner. <laughs> like it was it was a half staff like oh shut it down shut it down oh, squeeze baseball baseball think about the uh, knights attorneys jousting no not joust no it's you know i yeah pretty funny mm-hmm. pretty funny squeeze like okay i'm gonna squeeze my shut until danny goes away um yeah i think they're both just getting used to this idea like that there might be somebody out there that could pair up with them because, like, Danny's, you know, having discussions with Tyrion about all the heroes loving That's her. That's true. And how she's left all them behind. Um, Even this Jon John, Snow. Mm-hmm. Right, and then he's too little for her, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, it was funny and also poignant with Tyrion, too, because it, you know, she yeah. didn't tend to, but yeah. he got, he was collateral damage. And also, I th- I was thinking the same thing, because when you look at Kit Harrington and literally everyone else in Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. they tower over him. Sure. Like, yeah. if you told me Kit Harrington is five foot six, I would absolutely believe you. Could be. I don't know. Uh, they, they, you know, also um, John is having discussions with, with Beric and Tormund and, like, all these people uh-huh. telling him essentially, like, yeah, uh, you're you're falling for, for the queen there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's, you know, you got to think about the future and Jorah and who you're going to give this sword to. And it's very mixed feelings here. And right. it comes through on, on all the performances, and I really liked it. Right. Uh, then the Night's King pulls the dragon out of the lake and turns it into one of his whites. So, my biggest question here, we know... So where did they get the four no, fucking chains? I don't chains. give a fuck about the chains. A lot of people do. They though. had the chains. Uh, that 8,000 years of scrapped together enough yeah. material to make a chain. <laughs> right. I, here's the thing. These kind of criticisms, I don't think I have any basis because we don't know what the Night's King powers are and what 
he can do with them like or it his could goals. be it could be this is as the, it could be that there's a prophecy of whatever the ahura azai uh, the reverse prophecy, and that he's trying to fulfill his point, and he's trying. Yeah. He needs a dragon, and you got the breaker of chains and the maker of chains. The maker of chains. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And he's got. He's lured to Nim's location where he. And maybe that's why he decided to get Vizier, the Vizierian because he was in the perfect position to crash into the lake, and he needs to trap him there. Like we don't. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And like I said, I could give like. When you start complaining about where the Night's King gets his chains, that's when you know your suspension of disbelief is completely cratered to the ground. Right. Uh, because I was like, the, the the visual purpose of those chains is so you can mentally prepare yourself for the fact that he's going to bring that fucking dragon out of the ice yeah. and turn him. And you could believably lit something that heavy. Sure, with that's enough it. with enough yeah. slave labor and big enough. To, sure, sure. It's all you need. There are big-ass chains in Westeros. The story over. But again, I'm not <laughs> like, making fun of you for nit. Pick, or picking that nit, I'm just saying that like that's just you're lost. Yeah. You, you, the show has completely lost you, and uh, that's that's where where Jim was saying in the beginning. You got to either decide whether you're going to reinvest or they're they're no longer worthy of your time because right. that's that's pretty pretty ticky. Down. If that was the only thing on the, in this episode, then we'd all probably be happy. Sure. Yeah. Um, My question though, we know that. We know that whites belong to the White Walker that raises them. Yes. You think there was a big debate and conversation over who gets to raise this dragon white? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I killed it. I brought it down. But, yeah, but I handed you the spear, and I made that spear. Yeah. You wouldn't have had the spear if it wasn't for you me. Said, I get you, to turn the You white. said we don't need the fucking spears. They're <laughs> right. too heavy. You didn't want to bring them, and I brought them <laughs> anyway because I knew. Yeah. Yep. I, no, I think the Night King gets it. Yeah, like, for sure. That, that's his deal. Yeah, if you take down a dragon, you get to keep it. I wonder if that's like like they try as much as possible for the Night King to do everything like that. He personally turned the baby because, you know, if he shares his power, the army is a little bit more vulnerable. But on the other hand, it's a little all eggs in one basket kind of right, thing. Right, right. Like if you kill the Night King, you might just destroy the whole but army. But I think that's that's the truth because he yeah. – like it makes sense that he's turned every single white and every single white walker. I mean look at uh, Hardhome. Right. You know? Right. Like he raises a massive quantity of exactly. whites there. But like I said, if, if, if they kill him and every other white and white walker destroyed – so it, it would right. make sense that that's already a vulnerability they can't do anything about. So don't make the chain weaker by spreading out the other white walkers if you don't have to. Yeah. Now the uh, other- Then again, I would say, hey, if I'm – uh, the Night's King, maybe I should just chill back home and not come into these battles because if yeah. you kill me, you kill everyone. It's it's kind of like Danny, right? If she yeah. dies, her cause is dead with her. If the Night's King dies, all of his whites die with him. So maybe right. hang back a little. Yeah. Um, the other thing that a lot of a lot of people sent an email about is is this a white W I G H T dragon or is it a white W H I T? dragon the fuck's the difference well one is an animated dead corpse and the other is like a powerful intelligent being with its own volition i like, mean is, is i it, assume is he like the, is he like is this dragon like craster's sons or is this dragon like a, an undead corpse because here's oh. the because mm-hmm. people are like well the okay. eyes turn blue in that person no fuck no the the the, the polar bear's eyes are blue the, yeah, the, the whites to the extent that they have yeah. eyes have blue eyes the the difference is is the night king bothered to touch it like we've right. seen that he can just raise his hands and gloat them all off the ground he actually went and laid hands and and like like i think there is a difference and a distinction there i'm not sure if it's intentional or what because and i also don't know what the difference between a a mindless ice zombie dragon and like a a dragon that's been corrupted and turned 
Right. Because they do have a hint that dragons are in like even Tyrion said that, like when he went up to go touch them and, and he's like, you know, dragons are not unthinking, mindless I can't remember exactly what he said, but like, you know, they're 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 not just dumb beasts. Mm-hmm. They have an intelligence and and uh and a a, a, a a humanity to them that, that not all animals have. Yeah, I guess I don't care about that distinction because from everything we've seen, the goal of both of those two classes of beings is the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. So whether this dragon is acting on its own volition or being controlled by the Night's King, right? it doesn't matter because its goal is now to kill everything living. Do you think the Night, the night King... Because for whatever reason, the Whites can't cross water. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the Night King is going to use the dragon to fly beyond the wall? Like, is there, you know, can he cross that? It, 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 can White Walkers cross? Because I mean, they said that the army of the dead can't cross, but that doesn't say yeah. the White Walkers couldn't. That's kind of a plot hole, but. Yeah, I don't know. He's got a dra- um, like Because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, he's got a flying dragon. That's But, like, that dragon that can fly, we don't know enough to say one way or another, but that's a lot of possibilities that can open up. There are, yeah. Um, and we just don't have – we have a lot of questions about the dragon being turned. Plus, it, it also goes back to like Brand, some of Bran's visions from last season where he saw the dragon flying over King's Landing. Like, we assume that was Dany conquering. Right. Combine that with his, her, Dany's season two visions of what could have been a frozen King's Landing or King's Landing has been burnt and ashes are falling – this is even more ambiguous because that that thing that that, that both her and and Brand saw could have been the White Walkers using the zombie dragon to do do some stuff. So you think Danny's gonna dragons are gonna get bad rap based on what the Night King gets up to? Like he goes and burns down King's Landing. <laughs> I don't think that's and then thing. everybody's like, oh fucking dragons burned it down. Danny must have done it. A lot of people ask me what I think was gonna be the thing with the ice dragons. Like I fucking don't know, yeah, but I, no I do doubt that they're gonna breathe fire. Okay. But it it would be funny if it's like uh you know the jo- like a joker the joker dressing up like batman to give him a bad name situation. Right, you know? yeah. Like like the night king throws on a blonde wig and <laughs> <laughs> fly, fly flies over to one of the major towns of Westeros and like like old town yeah. and just blasts them all. Or King's Landing. Says oh, I'm Danny. Yeah. Everybody everybody no, it's me. It's Mad Queen <laughs> riding. Yeah. Like He'd, he'd use his gloat-based language to say all that, but the blonde hair would, right, would right. carry the day. They, they'd get the point. I yeah, think. he'd, have, he'd yeah. have the polar outfit on and the blonde hair, and people just assume. They just assume. That's it for the episode. Okay. Hey, today's podcast is sponsored by TV Time. And you can go to tvtime.baldmove.com to download the app on either iPhone or Android devices. And uh, this is a really cool app. When they first approached us, I was a little skeptical. I was like, ah, oh, new app. Do I need any new apps? I don't use like three <laughs> apps on my phone. But I thought this was really cool because it's a way to essentially one of the one of the conundrums of the modern age of television is so much good television mm-hmm. that it's hard to keep track of like when things are coming back and like developments in your favorite television and like when new episodes air and this is an app that you can install and you can tell it all the shows that you want to follow. It can make smart recommendations, allows you to – it also kind of gamifies it, which I think is kind of fun, that you can like either be delighted or, like me, horrified by how much television <laughs> you're watching on a week-to-week yeah, basis. Yeah, gives you the cumulative days and, and you months. And you can see – you can, like, you know, uh, look at some of the, uh, other people's profiles and see, like, you know, oh, has Jim watched this episode yet? Oh, I can see that. And 
it uh, allows you also to plug in and interact with an instant community of fans because they have video reactions and comments and memes and different quizzes and stuff that you can challenge your friends to and podcasts. Like one of the reasons they approached us is they wanted to have our podcast for Game of Thrones uh, available on their platform. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's really cool. It's a fun and exciting way to kind of like keep track of all the things that are going on at television. And you can download it right now. You can actually follow Jim's profile if you want. Yeah. BM Jim. See, yep, it's BM Jim. Bowel uh, Movement Jim. <laughs> right, that's what it stands for. BM Jim. Uh, and you can go to TV Talk. Oh, did you know that's also Bald Move Jim? Oh, that makes I more didn't re- sense. Yeah. That makes more sense. I was signing up. I, I mean, you've been you've been Bowel Movement Jim since the days when we were teenagers. Like, right. And I primarily use the app on the toilet. The Brown so. Avenger, we used to call you. <laughs> Uh, but you can go to tvtime.baldmove.com, provides you a link with uh, you know iPhone or Android devices to download it and start using it today. It's super fun. It's a great way to keep track of the television. tvtime.baldmove.com. Follow, follow Bowel Movement Jim at BM Jim when you get it. Today's podcast is also and eternally sponsored by club.baldmove.com. Actually, not that's a lie. We're contractually obligated to tell you that. You can unsponsor it by joining club.baldmove.com. Oh, that's it's, true. It's a catch-22. You have to join the club to get the advertisements to stop because that's one of the prime <laughs> features. We don't we don't do ads on our on our premium Sounds feeds. like a terrible dystopian future. Yeah, we're just going to like combination like VR and Pretty soon it's going to be implants it's going to be eight-hour podcast with fully 30 minutes of ads. The rest will be feedback and us bloviating about Game of Thrones. But there'll be 30 minutes of ads, and it'll be super fucking annoying. And the only way to avoid it is to go down to the club.baldmove.com on the corner. On your yeah. corner. and We're opening uh, up our first retail location tomorrow. Yeah, brick and mortar is where it's at in 2017 <laughs> is what I hear. Uh, you can also – it directly supports us, so it keeps us uh, going on the podcast. And, uh, you know, the only reason you get three Bald Move podcasts a week is uh, is because we get paid full time. It's mm-hmm. arguable that we wouldn't even be doing this if we didn't uh, work – we would have gotten bored and moved on to something else. Yeah. It's arguable. I don't know how arguable it is. Do you want to – I mean, do you want to play – Westerosi roulette with your Game of Thrones podcast. Do you want to keep them flowing? Do you want them to come crash? Through? I, I feel like this is increasingly just a mafia style threat to the audience. <laughs> this will stop. It's a shame if something you don't would happen to RSS feed right. unless you give us a little bit. You got to get our beaks wet. Uh, we also it's it's not all stick. It's not all mafioso stick. It's a little bit of carrot because mm, uh, we got these uh, cool club features like again ad free feeds. Uh, no, that's still a mafia style tactic. Uh, we play video games. Uh, we do special audio features like Quit Your Pitching. We got live recordings of all our podcasts. We got Lunch with Jim and Aaron, the Friday lunchtime extravaganza where we just talk about stuff, mm-hmm. stuff and things. Still, I don't feel like I'm really selling this, but you know that's uh, that's that's the way the ad goes. So you don't win. Sometimes sometimes they get away from us. It's like uh, an ice spear thrown by the Night King. You want to hit Drogon. <laughs> sometimes you got to settle for. For Viserion, this is the Viserion of ads. Does Viserion have forty-eight bucks in his pocket? Because I mean, at that point, it's just as good to hit Viserion, right, as it is to hit Drogon. Are you saying we want to murder our fans, drag, drudge them from the bottom of a lake, and resurrect them as bald move zombies that just put their credit card in every month? I can't. Yeah, I think that's yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. We've circled back to the mafia thing. God damn it! Club.baldmove.com. We'll try again next week. First of all, I want to have a conversation about the decision that we'd use to do to make use of the leaked copy of Game of Thrones because that um, outraged a very small minority of uh, some some fans, and I, I think they're 
there's some points they had that were legitimate, and I think there's some points they had that were based off the fact that we didn't really explain why and how we did this. So let's talk about it. Um, some people said we are mad because you took a very strong stand against leaks and ethics of like stolen intellectual property and whatnot. And like, sure. Yeah, but I guess I, what? I pay like three times over for HBO. <laughs> but not just that. Like someone said, like, how did you know that the leak was legitimate or is the final copy? Well, the reason is you because. Can tell? Well, yes, but also. A, like, they're not getting. People are not getting Kit Harrington. You're and- missing the point. This episode <laughs> aired by mistake by HBO Spain. Like, yeah. Spaniards tuned in last week to watch episode yeah. 705 and they got 706. That's kind of fucked. So this wasn't stolen. This is HBO just shot them. This just fucking put it out there. Um, The other thing is, like, I don't think we've ever taken a very strong stand against piracy and theft of intellectual property because you and I have done it, like, our whole lives. Sure. We've stolen video games. We've stolen music. We've stolen Photoshop as teenagers. I think that the ethics and morality are, you know, can you enjoy – can you pay for it? Do you enjoy it? Should you support the creators? That's the the ethics. And and, in my mind, I'm ethically clear because, as you pointed out, we have six different ways from Sunday to pay for this content and have. Yeah. Um, The other thing is, like, well, how did you not let this information impact the rest of your coverage? And that's just the timing. Like The same way we do with the rewatches. Right. Well, except for – no, no, you're – but but we 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 didn't we didn't make this decision late Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. So like all of our coverage was essentially wrapped up and in the can. And the other thing you should know, I guess, if this really bothers you, because there's another argument. It's like, well, I felt like you were kind of like my spouse, and that you you promised that you would watch it with us, and then you watched it ahead of time, and like somehow that 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 emotionally kind of hurt hurt your feelings. And what you need to know is Jim and I are very hard at work trying to find a way to get advanced screeners for as many shows as we can because we feel like it would vastly improve our coverage to be able to get this stuff in advance and have more than a day or two to think about it and get it out yeah i think the the main problem here i think stems from a misunderstanding of what the instant take is and why we do it Mm -hmm. um the instant take in my opinion is a way to get coverage out there for new people who watch the episode and are super excited and want some coverage on it. Yeah. It's a way to capture those There's a demand that, that we can right. only fit and feed right now by watching it and then immediately going to the mics and doing a take. The reason the content of the instant take is the way it is, which is to say more reaction-y, more like, oh my God, look at the crazy shit we just saw, as opposed to well-thought-out presentation yeah. of content, is because of the time yeah. problem. Like. We have literally just watched it. If we could do Tuesday's full podcast yeah. on Sunday night immediately as the uh, after the uh, airing of the show, we would do that. Yeah, we would do that in a heartbeat, and we wouldn't do a Tuesday podcast. We just let that stand on its own. Or we might do because that kills two birds with one stone. Or we might like, do a feedback oriented podcast. Maybe, but my, my point is, we would have right. our super amazingly well thought out content presented instantly after you've watched the episode. If right. we could, right. and we wouldn't do this stupid reaction stuff. Like right. we do that because there are a whole bunch of ears that are looking for content and mm-hmm. we need to be there to help them out. And the other thing is like, so, so what you're saying is like, I know there's a culture of like 
that that that, that this reaction type videos is popular. It's not popular with us, and we're only doing that yeah. because it's it's the only way we have to engage with the audience. If we could have a fully thought out reason, one that we dropped at ten o'clock on Sunday night, we absolutely would have. Yeah. Now, I, you know, there's also a meta thing like that's never going to happen because Game of Thrones has made a decision to not release screeners to any critic. Okay. So whatever. But like, I'm just saying that that's like where we're trying to go. And as far as like, you know, the other thing is, um, yeah, like uh, we think that you, that you kind of already answered this, but the other criticism is like, you know, we like hearing your actual instant take and, you know, without, you know, kind of like off the cuff and freeze to be excited as we are. And I guess... That's the thing. Like we're trying to move away from that. So if that's what you're looking for, an instant take. Um, if we could, like you said, if we could not do an instant take and just do the full thing and be done with it, that would be our preference. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I appreciate. I know that there are some people um, that that didn't like it for a bunch of different reasons. I think we could have handled it better if we, we would announce it in advance. That like, hey, this week, because uh, I had also the reason we did that is because I was doing some final arrangements to go see the clips with my family on Monday, and I'm like, oh boy. It so happens that Game of Thrones fucked themselves and leaked it. It'd be cool if we could just get this taken care of so I don't have to worry about it Sunday night. I think if we had said it last week, said, hey, just want you to know that we're going to, after we get the coverage of 705 done, we're going to then do an instant take for 706, and that's the only thing that's going to change. But because we didn't say that and we just said, hey, we're letting you know this because we, it's important, we think, to be transparent, it let people kind of fill in whatever motivation and whatever ethical and moral quandary they wanted to put in there. Sure. And, like, you know, there's six different people worried about six different things, one or two. You know, like, the things that are just based on emotion, like, I can't logic them out. But, like, if you want to say that we're hypocrites because we supported stealing HBO content, or I, I don't think those are very persuasive. And I don't think it changed our coverage of it. Right. The only thing it did is it gave you uh, – and that's the th- – there, 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 there illustrates to you because my first emotional reaction was, I can't fucking believe Jim went to Reddit and, like, he got me flat-footed. But then I thought about it. It's like – well, he never agreed not to. So, like, why would I be mad? It's like, right. it's not like we had a handshake agreement. It's like, we're going to do it just like a regular instant take, buddy, right? So, like, how can I be mad at him for something that we, you know, he violated a contract that was in my own fucking mind? And I think people are also having trouble separating um, my literal, actual words that I said mm-hmm. from perhaps uh, a little bit of hyperbole. I didn't spend four fucking hours on Reddit. I spent 35 seconds on Reddit reading right. one thing about the ice, not uh, about how fast ice freezes. Right, like, right. Because there's only, that's the thing. Like there wasn't, there was only one thread on Reddit that you could read because the mods, right. they're like, okay, any leak talk, go here. And that's it. So you read probably the highest upvoted comment. And then we sat down. And I don't even know it. if I read that one. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> like I spent 10 minutes on Reddit, not four hours, even though I said four hours because right. that sounds funnier. Right. So anyway, uh, Mia Culpa, we if we yeah. do the uh, if we do this again, we'll try to handle it a little bit better. But I also want to like this is not something we did like three weeks ago, and we've been secretly f- f- molding our coverage so that we would be right on all of our. Pred- I think that's pretty obviously true because we didn't predict any of this shit was going to happen. Right. All right, let's move on because we got a lot of stuff to cover in a very small amount of time. Nick F., uh, last week you discussed whether or not George would ever let someone else take over his creative work, but having the double D's already done that in a sense. You point out that whatever happens on a show will now definitely affect the outcome of any potential books. There isn't the way around that. With so many mysteries yet to be unraveled, such as the Night King story you mentioned, I have to imagine he's in some way involved. Can he possibly let them just make up parts of the story without weighing in with some vetoes or suggestions? Do you know more about their relationship? Is he eyeing their scripts and saying things like that would never happen? you got to change it. I don't know a damn thing about their relationship other than they have spoken in the past. It does. Uh, it, I think 
he's not wrong. You know, he Kalinov already has by signing this deal to do this full series already has given up yes. some of that control. Yes. Unless he finishes the books. Yes. If he finishes the books, I think he's wrested control away again uh-huh. of his own story. But I think as it stands now, yes, he has given some of that up. Um, I will say that, like, yeah, you're right, absolutely. But I think if he finishes the books and they're obje- they're subjectively and and the bulk of the fans' opinions worse than the series, then he won't be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You're you're right. Um, I will say that the things I've observed are it. It feels like George used to have a more cordial relationship with the production. And as they got closer and closer and he started feeling the heat and knew that he was going to fail, they stopped talking. Um, because it used to be he'd write an episode every season and he would be in all the like behind-the-scenes commentary and, and he would say positive things. The last few times I can remember him thinking, taking to his blog and saying something – were instances where fans were unhappy with something. He came in and was like, well, just because the, D- the the Dan and David are saying that doesn't mean it's going to happen in the books. And he said that with Shireen's burning. I think he said that with Sansa being raped by Ramsey. Um, so I think there's a combination of George is unsatisfied with some of the changes they've made and has publicly repudiated them and the fact that he's kind of probably hurt as the creator of having his baby taken away from them and that's caused some friction. The fact that the Double Ds maybe are kind of secretly over this production. Um, It does seem like things have cooled off between them, though. Mm -hmm. I have no evidence. That's just me watching the situation for the last three years and making some surmises. Yeah. Kristen W. said, during your recap of 705, you guys made the comment that just because Prince Rhaegar seemingly married Lyanna Stark, that means she was on board with the whole thing. No, 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 no. I think we... We didn't say that. We said potentially yes. she was on board with it. Yeah. Uh, she says, what universe do you guys think the show lives in? How many unhappy or forced marriages have we seen? Sansa's had two just by herself. I in no way think that just because Rhaegar and Lyanna got married on paper, it means it was a consensual relationship. Um, hmm. I do think there's some other contextual evidence that it was. I mean, they the the romance of the tourney, perhaps it was, it was called uh, the Tower of Joy. The fact uh-huh. that um, it was important for Liana that Ned protect the 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 son that was a result of their union, and she had a big ask of Ned that he give up his honor and his position in society to protect this lie. And I, like I said, that you, you're right. We don't fair, know. I, we may have start. I may have started the conversation with that, yeah. but I think where we arrived on it was very different. Very much like up in the air. This lends more credence to the idea that it was yeah. consensual. But and sometimes I forget that not everyone has, you know, paid attention to all these theories in the last seven years because there was a lot of th- sure. people saying that. Well, before before we knew, like even before Dance came out, like well. Of course, Rhaegar married her legit, and they went off, and it was a happy thing. And like they probably got annulled, and the, and and they got remarried, and like they were making shit out of whole cloth. But when you see a big part of that piece of that theory puzzle flop on the table, mm-hmm. in my mind, like I give that whole theory, knowing everything about it on both sides, a little bit more weight because it's like, sure. yeah, it's yeah. a wild ass guess, but it's a correct wild ass guess. <laughs> so. Anyway, we didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to imply that it's a, it's a done deal. I just uh, probably wasn't careful with my words. Doug R. I don't necessarily agree with your analysis that it could be in Bronn's best interest to switch to the winning side and join Danny on Dragonstone. 
The one terrible thought I can't get out of my head is that his arrival may be met with fire and fury rather than friendship. Since dragons are known to be fairly intelligent, would it not be possible that Drogon recognizes Bronn as the operator of the said scorpion that injured him in battle and takes his revenge with or without Danny's approval? Alternatively, I think he could also meet his end by Danny. Tyrion's advice has not been helpful uh, to Danny lately, so his vouching for Bronn may not be heeded, especially since Bronn is not loyal to anything but gold. There are plenty of reasons to kill Bronn. Sure. I think kinda, anybody he looks like a shit. I, I, Podrick could come up with a reason to kill Braun. He grabbed my dick one time. Like, yeah, he's got a burnable face. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, but there are plenty of reasons that Tyrion would try not to let that happen. Sure. If Braun came knocking, so I think it's more like there's plenty of reasons for Don, for Braun to the the jump ship. Is uh-huh. there reason for Danny to take him on her ship? That's a much murkier, yeah, murkier situation. I don't know why she would really. Uh, Lauren from Pittsburgh. Here's where my faith in the show broke. When Cersei told Jamie she knew about his meeting with Tyrion, never betray me again, I yelled at the TV, What? Why don't you get Tyrion and flay him alive? Cersei had believed Tyrion killed Joffrey up to that moment. There's no way she lets Tyrion out of King's Landing. Alive and back to Daenerys? No, 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 no. Maybe Cersei was bluffing. Maybe she really didn't know about the meeting, but she did. She knew it was Bronn who set it up. I think we're past the point that we can trust that the character is behaving in a way that makes narrative sense. And then she talks a whole bunch more shit about the double Ds. Uh, Jim, does she have a point here? Um, I never thought of this, but... Yes, certainly. Like, Cersei uh, knew about the meeting, knew her hated troll of a dwarf brother, sure. murderous brother is going to be there, and she didn't snatch him up. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I think it's... It's not within the character that we knew as Cersei, but I think Cersei's character, she's intentionally making a change. She fancies herself much smarter, much more clever. She's, she's than made the choice else. to become smarter. Yeah. To, well, she's made the choice to lean into her father's legacy, essentially. Huh. Like, I'm going to be the person who outthinks everyone, huh. not just who, you know, goes to the dungeons, grabs, or goes to the crypts, grabs my brother, and flays him alive. Mm-hmm. I think what she, what's going on in her head is she thinks she's doing something ultra clever by letting Tyrion escape. So this is this. So I guess I would say is like, is this another thing where they're not telling the story they think they're telling? Because I have interpreted all of her successes, as you said in the started podcast, as moral luck, dumb luck, and also good advice she's getting from Kyburn and Jamie. And then uh-huh. when the banker comes in and says, oh, you're Tywin Reborn, I thought that was just obviously toady flattering. It is, but that's the kind of thing Cersei eats up, I think. So she wants to be that, and so she fancies herself as that. And Oh, so you're saying that my, my father wouldn't snatch up Tyrion. She would, he would, he would do something the meeting more and then see, yeah. okay. And so, use the information okay. against Tyrion. Somehow. I guess that's possible. That's possible. Um, yeah, that's just possible. <laughs> Scott B., why do people constantly refer to Danny as foreign-born? She was born in Westeros at Dragonstone, basically across the bay from King's Landing. The fact that she spent most of her life in exile does not make her a foreigner. I don't know, Scott. Why do people constantly say that President Obama was a Kenyan Muslim sleeper agent? Because it's true. Because, because he it was had a politi- horde of Dothraki behind <laughs> Because it was politically expedient to do so. I mean, Dragonstone, Hawaii, tomatoes, tomatoes, what are you going to do? Right. I mean, if, Ob- if Obama hadn't used the, the Dothraki... To win yeah. his way to power. If he hadn't set no Congress one would be on fire that. with his three dragons, yeah. 
then what what where would we be as a as a country now that's the thing though i i think <laughs> you know she very early on went to essos and she did all the stuff over there that people were hearing about, and I mean, now she comes back with a massive horde of foreign right. invaders. And, and the rest so, is, is the rest is Cersei Lannister propaganda, right. and that's how yeah. it works. Like Cersei doesn't think like, oh my god, is this true? Can I yeah. get away with saying no? Fuck no. Technically, it's not true. I don't think I should say it. No, right. she's not thinking that. Right, right. She saw John McCain do that, and he lost the election. She's right. like, no way. And I'm not going to tell the truth about this this foreign born whore. I'm going to maintain all this. Bullshit. Anyway, let's move on. David from Australia. Just finished the main cast, and you were wondering why Gendry was important. I think the main reason is that he's a blacksmith. John is a heap of dragon glass, but who will make it in the weapons? Looks like there's plenty of people already doing that. Yeah, like like they you got, got a shard of dragon glass, and... you got a weapon. Pretty much. It's a dagger. Yeah. Um, so I, that's that was a good theory, um, but it doesn't seem like it's necessary in the light of this episode. Not really. So why is Gendry important? We We still have to see. Matthew W., do you think the show's pacing inconsistencies will be more or less amplified when the season or the series is in the can? I can imagine real horror at rushed moments, plot lines that appear even more bumbly, like bumbling missteps to randomly strain credulity in the most well-told story. However, I can also imagine that on a rewatch, especially when it's a little bit bingier than most, the leaps here and there might feel like plot propellers at low moments rather than story spoilers. Uh, hmm. That... That seems like something a lot of people like to bandy about in this day and age of Netflix and whatnot. Like, oh, well, yeah, it's rough watching it week to week, but when you binge it, it's going to be smooth sailing. Yeah, I, I feel like it depends on how they end this thing. If mm-hmm. they, they really wrap it up nicely um, with no more of these kind of stupid plots and, and bumbling, as he says, then it, it could be something where it's just like, you know, you're watching, you're introducing your friend, friend to Game of Thrones and you have to look over and say, now, this is going to be really stupid, but trust me, it gets better at the end. Right, right. <laughs> like, it might just be one of those moments, or this could be the beginning of the end, you know, where it's like, everything from here on is crap, we might as well just stop watching. It just depends on how they wrap it up. Before the season, what was your confidence in the Double Ds to tell the story and bring it to a satisfying conclusion, percentage-wise? Really super high. Um, yeah, like I because they weren't off, you know, they weren't off the reservation quite as much uh-huh. at that point. And like they've done really, really good with the stuff I've seen so far, uh-huh. with the exception of maybe the Arya stabbing um, uh-huh. and the Sand Snakes, but most of it was really good still. Uh, what would your percentage be now? A little bit lower. <laughs> like, like, like quantify it. Yeah. So if it was ninety ten before, I don't know. Quantify it. 80, 20, 70, <laughs> so 30. Slightly. Like, yeah, it, it's a little I'm bit more lower. 60, I'm like 60, 40, dude. I'm really getting nervous. Huh. I'm there's still only... leaning into the positives. Yeah, I, I, I hope I hope they end in a high note because it's going to be a not fun 18 months if episode seven of the season is a disaster and we just have sure. you know six episodes left to go. Uh, not a disaster. Like I, This isn't a disaster. It's it's because it's, well, mm-hmm. it's a well-made well made poorly plotted show it's more of a fiasco <laughs> sure yeah. it's a cherry fiasco alex g littlefinger's entire scheme would be shattered if sansa happened to ask the maester how Arya got her letter the maester would say littlefinger asked me to get it and he said you wanted it and then he'd be executed littlefinger would never leave himself so exposed does that bother you it, not yet <laughs> i yeah. want to see what littlefinger's actual plan is also that's a desperate plan but haven't we said all season that Littlefinger's desperate? Like, jumping mm-hmm. to a ledge that would make you safe and you might slip off of it is only dumb if, like, there's a raging fire behind you. 
Sure. And I, I kind of felt like that this is – you're right. If the right people ask the right questions, Littlefinger's fucked. But that's kind of climbing the, la- la- the ladder chaos, baby, right? Right. Like any any particular time, if anyone had fact-checked Littlefinger's ass, he would have been in trouble in the, in, in this season. But mm-hmm. um, And there's um, – it's an interesting forum topic where people are saying, like, low-key, that's been happening with Littlefinger a lot. Like, when he throws Liza Aaron out the, do- the door in the show, it's just him and Sansa there. In the book, there was a uh, a singer that was trying to, like, flatter, like, get, get you know, get into our, the Liza's good graces that he fingered as the real killer. Hmm. He had a fall guy, a patsy. So, like, the show has been kind of putting Littlefinger more out on edge where there's single points of failure to his plan for a lot longer, and this might be the Double D's ultimate manifestation of that. Yeah. Uh, ben W., I think there's already existing questions as to whether or not the Night King has similar or, or, or sa- the same green-seeing powers as Bran. I think it's obvious that he has some sort of connection to the Three-Eyed Raven, and I think that part of this connection is uncontrolled visions, something like Harry Potter getting glimpses of Voldemort's mind without 100% understanding them. Why is this obvious? Um, of course, he could also be a full-blown green seer in his own right. Um, I So I think it's the fact that he can intrude upon Bran's visions and he can, like, look at Bran's flock of crows and dispel them. Like, I guess it's not obvious. It's more like uh, you can reasonably surmise that he has some kind of equal opposing or complementary powers to what Bran's got because they're all they're – all, from the children of the forest and the night king derives his power from their magic so i guess it would stand to reason yeah i would say i would probably put a limitation on that maybe to things or people that he has marked because he in my mind he couldn't do that before he touched bran in the vision but he did that as a manifestation through essentially hijacking bran's green seeing right i don't I don't know. I mean, yeah, Bran I mean, Bran might have physically been in that place or not. Right. I I really don't know what Bran's powers are exactly either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I'm not sure. He can. He continues. Uh, in my mind, the Night's King has received a partial, incomplete vision about this meeting. I think he has seen this day, been planning for it for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. That's why uh, he's got big ass chains. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I propose he had seen several moments from this battle. One of these moments is him hitting Drogon. Another is him hitting uh, or missing Drogon. Another is him hitting Viserion. So in his head, he knows he will hit Viserion, so he just gets it out of the way. He doesn't aim for Drogon the first time because he isn't certain that he would connect. Wow. This is some serious apologetics here. <laughs> um, so he, he said this also explains why he had the chains with him. He knew this was going to happen. He knew they'd get a dragon. This was his just a way for his, him to trap their heroes. Yeah, that, that's fine. If you want to believe that, go believe it. It's not on the screen. Um, I well, it hasn't been revealed yet. I would say that all this, the, the obviously right. all this stuff is on the screen. Well, it's just, you I, haven't. I mean, the explanation of it is not on the yes, screen. The, the, the connecting of the dots, yeah. and um, I think this is. You are articulating um, here, Ben, the reason I'm not as willing to condemn the bullshit people are saying that's on the Night King's part, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, again, I think if, if they're going to suggest it to do all this, that they could have told it a better way. Sure. Yeah. But um, I'm not quite ready to condemn that as much as I can say just unequivocally that John's plan to grab a white is fucking stupid. Yeah. Because I know John's objectives. I know his enemies. I know their strengths and weaknesses. And this is just dumb. Yeah. Night King, I don't know any of that shit. So you might be onto something, Ben. I just want to put it out there because um, it's not so much a theory as it's a – I'm very anti-theory this week. But it's more of a way to explain what we've already seen. Mm. Phil P., 
You guys seem to be giving Arya's storyline a pass based on assumptions that something bigger must be going on. This is not borne out by the text of the show. It seems to be very straightforward. To me, it's reminiscent of Arya's plot last season where her fatal gut wounds were rationalized away for a week by assuming it must be a decoy or some other type of plot. Nope, just awful writing. I hope you're right and Arya's making some kind of game on Littlefinger that will retroactively make this plot work, but I'm not hopeful. I think there's a difference between giving a pass and saying I'm going to wait and see. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying all of this is great and astounding and you should all love it. I'm saying don't hate on it yet because we don't know the totality of it. Yeah. And that's I don't that's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, I don't think you want to hate the show. I would hope not. So um and also I guess the other thing that's fair to ask is I can't imagine an episode next week that's so bad that vast majorities of the fan base are just gonna be like, you know what, season eight, go fuck itself. No, no everybody's in later, for season I'm gonna be um now I I am for the first time starting to see a real possibility that the majority of the fan base is unhappy with the conclusion of the series. And then I wonder what that does to Game of Thrones in retrospect. Hmm. I don't know. Because it's, it's seen as this, the biggest show on television and like, it's, it's such a crossover appeal. Like that will definitely course cool. Some of that or ardor, but I mean, HBO has got big plans for this series. They've got all these like five different spinoffs are trying to green light. And if this thing shits to bed, there's a lot of money on the line. That's the thing. I I would be scared if I were them, um, that this final season doesn't live up to expectations and then people don't cross over to their other shows, Mm um, in the game of Thrones universe. But I think the vast majority, I'm talking like 99.999% here Mm -hmm. of people who are watching season seven through to the end are going to be on board for season eight, no matter what happens at the end of season seven. Now I will say that here's, here's another thing I think is true. If season seven continues to do these misstep things, I like in my experience of the game of Thrones, it's grown year over year in between. Like it it doubles in size in between seasons and it doubles in size by the end of the season, because all your friends are pestering you to watch game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. If they don't, write the shit by the next episode we might be seeing peak game of thrones in terms of audience because if in the off season everybody's like oh i don't know about that's going to depress the you know people like i should check this thing out oh i just got hbo i need to watch game of thrones like that's that's where you know i don't i don't think they're risking their existing audience i think they're risking expansion which as a podcaster who enjoys the popularity of this show for many reasons it's kind of (laughs) concerning to me yeah David M., I love the episode, but my biggest issue was everyone's jumping aboard Drogon so easily like he's some Uber XL. In the books, the ability to ride a dragon is shrouded in mystique and mystery, presumably being able to be done by only the most worthy or trained riders. But these guys jumped on him like he was the last bus out of Lake Town. Um, well, these are the badasses, for yeah. one. If anybody's going to be able to hang on to a dragon, it's these guys. Yeah. And Danny's on it. That's the thing, like... Dragon Rider is like you got the reins in your hand. Yeah. Dragon Passenger barrier not nearly so high. It's like being an Uber driver. Yes. You wouldn't say the person climbing into the Uber has the difficult job. Like he could be ferrying a, uh, a, a Uber XL full of three-year-olds. Yeah. I would not want any of those three-year-olds to drive the Uber XL, nor would I think they could were capable of doing that without crashing it into a tree. Yeah. Now... In this case, the Uber might just eat them if they tried. But, yeah, I think there's a difference between a dragon rider and a dragon po- passenger. Yeah. That's that's me. Uh, Kevin B., when John, uh, with John bending the knee, maybe it doesn't matter, but I'm wondering whether John or Danny has the better claim to the Iron Throne as the heir to the Targaryen dynasty. 
Fact. I'm not 100% certain of the rules in Westeros, but I know uh, it might make right as far as taking power is concerned. But assuming the rules are the same in Westeros as England, wouldn't Danny's claim still trump John's? I don't think so. I think John is more directly related to the line. Well, so here's the thing. Um, and I'm going to explain this. It doesn't make sense because uh, the, the, the divine right to rule is stupid and bullshit. Sure. And yeah. authority deriving through bloodlines is dumb. But the way it works, as I understand it, is... The second that, you know, uh, that the Mad King had Rhaegar, uh, and the second that Rhaegar started having kids, the bloodline now flows through Rhaegar and his children. Hmm. That, that it's not like the Mad King dies and Rhaegar dies and suddenly his Rhaegar's brothers and sisters in line. Like all of Rhaegar's children would have to die before it would go back up and then it would go to Viserion right. or Viserius. And then, like, if him and his kids were died, then it would back up and go to Danny. John, being a legitimate son of Rhaegar Targaryen, would 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 trump Danny's Danny's claim as long as she's still alive. That's why, that's why Stannis didn't try to take the throne until he found out that Joffrey was an illegitimate, was a bastard, was not the son of of Robert, mm-hmm. because he had no claim on the throne until that piece of information dropped. Yeah, then it was Katie f- barred a fucking door. Um, and then again, as you said, it's it's really only academically interesting because the fact that Stannis had the stronger claim didn't stop Rinley from raising his banners. Yeah, you know, if you got the, you know, as you said, if you got the 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 men and the the political willpower, you can do whatever the hell you want. Stephanie, in an instant take, you've speculated a lot about what it means that John is still alive after the battle with Whites and sinking underwater. I was pretty surprised that no one considered the similarities between this and Daenerys. If we considered the subtitle, as we've uh, as we have been. The Song of Ice and Fire. Is it possible that just as Danny is the unburnt, John is the unfrozen? Or am I reaching? No, uh, that's a good comparison. No, I think that's that's solid. She emerges from the fire. He emerges from the ice. You know, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Yeah, um, it's not a connection. We should have maybe uh, drawn that connection. Right, it's not the connection. I, and a lot of people did. Stephanie was the first one that I saw, so yeah. um, that would be cool. And also. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people are saying that like well I thought Targaryens are fire again not all Targaryens are fireproof Danny's brother essentially was burnt to death by molten gold yeah uh lots of Targaryens have canonically killed themselves with fire or been killed by fire um and uh, also John in particular has been burnt in season mm-hmm. 1 when he grabbed that lamp to throw it at the 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 white it burnt his hand so uh but him being the unfrozen not too shabby, Stephanie. Moving on to Antoine. I wanted to know what you thought about Sansa being the only one left of her siblings who hasn't been used or experienced supernatural powers since the beginning of her story. All her other siblings are either dead or have connected with the supernatural, and this may make herself disassociate with the Stark House. And that could be one of mm-hmm. the many reasons why the struggle with or for power is being focused on. Hmm. I think... Okay. So if I put my book reader hat on, um, there's an interesting theory that one of the reasons that Sansa, because uh, in the books it's very strongly implied that all of the Stark children except Sansa have had, like Arya's had wolf dreams and, and Rob, he didn't understand at the time, but one of the reasons he was so good in battle is because he was plugging into Grey Wind's superior animal senses and using him as kind of a an advanced scout and John has seen, he didn't understand at the time too, but he has seen dreams through ghost eyes when he's skulking around the wall and whatnot. Of course, Bran and 
and uh, uh, you know, with with Summer and uh, even Rickon with Sh- with uh, Shaggy the dog. Um, uh, there, there, there's also a lot of um, implications that Rickon had the same ability, but he's so young he was very poorly able to articulate it. And people speculate the reason Sansa never developed that ability is because her wolf died so quickly, hmm. um, yeah. and and also because Sansa betrayed, essentially betrayed the dire wolves. And that's kind of like you know, like there, there's, I guess there's a there's the weak version of the theory and the strong version. The weak is that she her wolf got killed, so she didn't able to develop the chops that the other Stark children did. Mm-hmm. And the strong is that she actually betrayed the dire wolves, so the northern magic abandoned her. Um, all this to say, like obviously this isn't a thing in the show, but it's something that lines up with what I think is going on in the books. So it could be. I mean, it's a real. There's, there's, there's a real possibility that there's something afoot here. Then they're trying to deliberately show a separation between Sansa and the other Stark children. That still, like, like Arya and Jon are the only Stark children to have their direwolves now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it's plausible um, that it's either going to be, you know, important to the development of this family, I guess, or uh, potentially that it's just thematic and it's just there to you know, highlight the differences between Sansa and the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Krunk. Uh, Gurm has stated this series is explicitly anti-war. The reality is that weapons of mass destruction always end up in the hands of one's enemies. We've seen this previously, how wildfire from the Mad King ended up in Lannister hands and was used twice to devastating effects in the Battle of Blackwater Bay and the destruction of the Faith Militant. Now we have dragons falling into the hands of the White Walkers, showing again that weapons of mass destruction once created will end up used being used in ways not originally devised. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool point, especially since the, in the behind-the-scenes information, um, Benioff is, is, is explicitly said, now the Mad, now the Night King has a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I th- yeah, like to the extent that this is a parable and how, uh, how Gurm sees the geopolitical climate, I think it's uh, that's a strong point. Yeah, I like it. Like, don't make fearsome weapons because they're going to be pointed at you soon enough. Sean from New York. Are we anticipating a dragon versus dragon battle scene? If so, I don't think I'll be able to contain myself. All this buildup and growing of these dragons and then to see them battle it out would probably be one of the best moments in any drama series, period. This is something that's going to happen. I really hope they nail the battle scene and give it a couple solid minutes of dragon-on-dragon battle. Do you... Hmm. I don't know that I agree with best moment of of drama i think mm-hmm. best moment of action well right of any action series perhaps um it'll be pretty sweet and yes i do think that the dragon on dragon battle is coming do you think it'll be um because because sometimes that stuff can be cool and sometimes it can be like king kong fighting t-rexes where it's just mm-hmm. spectacle but there's nothing really emotionally there um and also, I guess... I, I feel like for it to emotionally resonate with me, it needs to be a battle between whatever the fuck its name is that's a white now and Drogon with Danny mm-hmm. on the back. Viserion and Drogon. Yeah, with Danny, Like, importantly, with Danny right. on Drogon because right. I'm not that connected to Drogon. I'm certainly not connected to the other dragon, whatever mm-hmm. its name is. Viserion. No, the other one. Oh, Rhaegal? Rhaegal, sure. Um but if you have Drogon with Danny on its back, mm-hmm. I could totally see that being a scary and emotional thing for a lot of people. Yeah, and I don't know how they would because that's the thing. Like, we don't like. Would it be fire versus ice? Like, right? Would, would it, it just be... be claws? Would it be like right? 
Um, I mean, I you can read some like in the in the history of Westeros. There's been lots of dragon on dragon fighting when the tar- you had the Targaryen civil wars, and it's huh. seems terrifying. Seems I terrifying. Bet. These these giant flying flame breathing dinosaurs just going at each other, hammer and tongs. Yeah. Um, and it would be kind of cool. Now, the one distinction between if Viserion is now a white walker dragon or if he's just a white dragon would be the terrifying prospect that he himself could turn his brothers just by like some kind of dragon touch Hmm. yeah so it's like it's like a game of freeze tag for keeps (laughs) right um but yeah i don't i I don't know it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they do that i don't and also i don't see us happening this season like there's no way they shoot their dragon fighting wad uh at the climax of the season right or maybe they will. Maybe they will. Alfred M., do you guys think it will be addressed by Danny that once again she was given bad advice from Tyrion? As she was leaving to go rescue Jon and the crew from certain death, Tyrion tried to walk her back from going. Had she not gone, the entire expedition would have failed. Yes, it cost her a dragon, which is huge, but I don't know if you guys thought Tyrion would uh, face any backlash from poor counsel once again. That's a good point. I feel like it's a wash here. Mm. Yeah, she saved Jon. Yeah, she saved the group, but she lost one of her kids. Which, in as much as you believe that that has affected her emotionally, Tyrion was probably right. Yeah, but the, I guess the what she said, where I had to go because I wouldn't have believed you otherwise, and this, you're right. This is every bit the existential threat, and me losing sure. my, my invincible yeah. children underlined that. Like, it does seem like everything that Tyrion, and this is even like I almost think that this is deliberate because Lady Olena, who we've always been taught played the game expertly she told her like don't listen to wise men you'll live longer and since she's ignored Tyrion, she starts she's she's won battles Mm -hmm. she listened to Tyrion and got in this trouble i i'm not saying she's going to throw him off the tower of dragonstone but yeah their relationship is at a very precarious point now it is it's a good thing they're going to go to king's landing into the lion's den and have the relationship tested to the utmost because oh that's exactly when that needs to happen. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of backlash there. Michael S. I'm curious what your thoughts recently are on the Lord of the Light. As Barrick said, the Lord of Light brought John back for a reason. Supposedly, the Lord of Light also sent that vision to the Hound. Maybe the reason they were brought back by she, it, him, was to have them go there to maybe get a dragon into the hands of the Night King. The Lord also likes to have people be sacrificed and so forth. Maybe this Lord of the Light is actually kind of an evil bastard. Also, maybe the Night King has been green-seeing or something and whispering in people's ears. I have no idea. Just wanted your thoughts. Yeah. um, That's... I I mean, this episode is full of that, right? The Hound saying... Oh, it's full of it already. He's known a lot of cunts in his life, and he doesn't know why the Lord of Light would be any different. Right. Uh, Beric when asked about what the Lord of Light wants, says, I don't fucking know. Right. Uh, that's where I come down on it. Like, if... I mean, it's fairly obvious that the whatever force it is is intervening in specific ways and specific scenarios and circumstances. But to what end, I don't think we really know. Yeah, and that goes back to, like, how do we understand how these gods work? Like, I've always, I'm always trying to view this prism in through my lens, which I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an atheist. So, like, I'm always looking to look at the force and not see it as a spiritual, mystical thing, but as, a, as some sort of energy field that we don't understand yet, right? So, to uh-huh. me, it's not the Lord of the Light versus the fucking Children of the Forest magic. It's some kind of 
energy they're tapping into that can be used for good or evil and it it you can it, it provides the ability to control others it provides ability to resurrect it provides ability to see into the future and the manifestations of that are explained by men women and white walkers uh and they attri- they attribute good and evil elements to it mm-hmm. and also the fact that like you know, it could be that this energy field is neutral, but like, you know, the fact that they're from this very feudal medieval world where people get burnt and sacrificed and killed in gruesome ways, they're putting that ethos onto this energy thing. Sure. But it also could be that there's legit gods and goddesses and they're behind the scenes and are warring for power. Or it could be they're just really one true god, death, and everyone, he always wins. But we, have, I mean, I, fuck, I don't, I don't know. But those are all, mm-hmm. I think these are all questions we're supposed to be asking ourselves. Yeah. Do you think that, let me ask you this, Jim. Answer no. Okay. I, I don't think they'll on. ever, like, fully reveal. It, I, I didn't the, say that. The question I think you were going to ask is whether they'll my actually question, reveal like, the. Kind of, my question is, do you think it's going to be important to the plot whether we understand, whether humanity understands the the underlying theology of game of thrones or not the humans of westeros um the theology no maybe the history of like the white walkers and a little bit more of their motivations i think mm-hmm. will become important all right um but like yeah for sure you know whether there's a god or seven gods or ten gods whatever um no i don't think that will be super important Right, and then again, I, before I can, because I can heal people, I can hear people emailing. I'm not denying there's gods in Westeros, right? Yeah, and or that there's legit magic. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's way too early. Crazy enough, at the in the twilight of the show, it's still too early to say definitively one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jess from Grand Rapids, I like this theory or this explanation because I'm not mm. doing theories this episode. <laughs> the scene with Arya and Sansa read totally different for me. I didn't see it as Arya vaguely threatening Sansa if she betrays Jon Snow. I saw this as her introducing her cool new abilities and opportunities to lie with that. It seemed like Arya was saying, I could take anyone's face and become just like them. Wink, wink. I could even, you know, wink, be, uh, I just need I just need to murder someone fully and no one would ever know the difference. By the way, here's that blade Littlefinger gave Bran just something for you to think about. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. And then she winks herself out of the room, I guess. I saw this as Arya <laughs> essentially asking Sansa to please let her take Littlefinger's face. Arya is smart enough to see that she can't just up and stab Baelish without Sansa having a problem with it. She probably can't uh, just up and say whatever she wants to because Littlefinger has proven to Arya that he's sneaky and watches everything. So do you think this is Arya's a, a, essentially proposing a plan to, to, to Sansa that she kills Littlefinger and takes his face because then Sansa doesn't have to worry about the Lords of the Vale betraying her because Arya can be Littlefinger in the exact same way she was Lord Walder Frey for two weeks. Right. Which we don't think about often, but Arya pretended to be Walder Frey for two <laughs> fucking weeks. That's a long time, yeah. He was just like, play, he's, he's just planning the party and getting Arbor Gold and for a fortnight. Yeah. And no one was any the wiser. Which I guess that's like because you know that's the master plan you in just, action. You right? could just be an asshole and no one would yeah. be you know like well yeah maybe Dad's like if little... I were going to try and be the hound I would just call everybody cunt and yes. I would eat a bunch of chicken and it yes. would be done and I would flinch from fire and that I don't <laughs> right. need to know he doesn't have any deep friends or yeah. people that really know the real hound like it's yeah <laughs> uh, shit I lost my train of thought do you think this that this is Arya is trying to backdoor a proposal to Sansa. To, oh, let's join up and tag team Littlefinger, and then I'll pretend to be Littlefinger, and everything will be cool. Um, 
I mean, I, th- I think you can certainly read that. I, like I said earlier, I'm still very confused about the ultimate outcome of all this. But um, it, and the, the thing that I don't like yeah. about that is that it kind of pins Arya down into being Littlefinger for longer than I want. Because, mm. uh, I mean, Littlefinger more or less has command of the, the veil at the moment, right? I mean, he's got the persuasion. Like, what what happens? Okay, she takes Littlefinger's face... Mm-hmm. She uses it to what, like tell, <laughs> tell the lords, hey, I'm going back to the Vale, and then Littlefinger just disappears, or what? I don't know. I don't like. I said I, I'm not in the, the theory prediction game. I just think <laughs> I think with, I, I I like the idea. Anything that lets I, I like the situation where there's a character pretending to be another character who's pretending to be another character. Yeah, like I like the idea of Aiden Gillian. Pretending to be Maisie Williams, pretending to be Littlefinger, pretending to be Arya. Wait, <laughs> pretending to be Arya, pretending to be Littlefinger. Yeah, because I, I just think it's it's just like it was fun to see uh, what's his face as Lord Walter Frey let the like as he's still the same guy let it slip that he's Arya. Uh-huh. Like I think those performances are like probably one of the most fun the actors can have. So I'm all in favor of them. It's great, and I'm all in favor of Arya getting Littlefinger's face, but not to someone else's ends. I, okay. It needs to be on her mission, which she seems to have kind of put on the back burner at the moment, which I don't quite understand. Like, right. okay, reunite with your sister and your brother. That's all great. I guess maybe she's waiting for John to come back so she can high five him and then head to King's Landing. Right. But eventually she's got to go to King's Landing, right? And mm-hmm. if she does so with Littlefinger's face, I'm all for that. Okay. But Littlefinger's face is only useful to Arya if Arya is serving her own purposes. True. In in my mind, as as a watcher who wants to see Arya do her own thing, uh, Tom F, do you think the Dragon's Fire can intercept or melt an ice spear? I can see one heading towards mm-hmm. Dragon and Rhaegal in the future, uh, shooting a flame at it and thus melting it in mid-flight. I don't know. Maybe this seems this seems. So I want to resurrect your classic joke theory of Danny's going to win by essentially marching to battle in a carpet of fire provided by the dragons in the back. Right. Because she's invulnerable to fire, so she'll be in the center of this conflagration and just kicking all this ass. Like, I, and like So she's going to walk right up to the Night's King as Rhaegar and Drogon are in the background hiding behind her, breathing fire all around <laughs> her, and she's just going to come and rip his dick off and stab him with it. Right. I don't... I honestly, I... <laughs> that would feel pretty cheap if they're arch weapon to take out a dragon a dragon has all the tools he needs to like make it go away yeah and i think there are you know just as big a threats that they can't just make go away like Mm -hmm. this white dragon Mm -hmm. um i think it's logistically more complicated than that that was always like you said a joke theory well here's the thing it does feel like these scorpions that jamie has discarded because they're just not good enough to take out dragons you put a obsidian tip on that yeah and you can sure as shit take down a white dragon, mm-hmm. and especially you have if it's a hundred of those lining dragon. your walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tip them sure. all with obsidian. Yep, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, man, that's the problem with these damn things being uh, weak to obsidian. Like, like Drogon flew through a, a fucking pack of of arrows with no ill effect. Yeah, can a white dragon do that? Probably because it's like well you can't penetrate your skin well because they're because they're mad like it's it's not like obsidian is like an ultra good thing to kill something with they're magically weak to it 
So oh, I feel oh, like are a you dragon city and tipped arrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, like, yeah. Drogon can ignore conventional arrows. Yeah, and the scorpions. I guess if it hit him right in the skull, that would be a bit big deal. But like, he can mm-hmm. take a pretty direct hit, and it just inconveniences him. An obsidian tipped whatever would be absolutely lethal to these guys. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, not sure. All right. So, like I said, it just seems like the white, like, the, yeah, it's super cool. But then you start thinking about how the mechanics of this work. And I'm like, I don't know if it's the ultimate weapon we think it is. But we'll see. It's been a two and a half hour podcast, Jim, and we've come to the conclusion of it. Whew. Marathon. If you would like to, like, is w- w- this podcast was a, a D minus plan and a, a B plus execution, you think? <laughs> Yeah, that's a generous. B minus. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to send us uh, feedback, you can do so as always. Game of Thrones at baldmove.com, or you can go on to forums, forums.baldmove.com uh, to talk with your fellow friends. If you want to follow everything that we're doing here at Bald Move uh, and baldmove.com, you can go to all the social medias, slash and at baldmove, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and, uh, and, and there you go. That's how you keep up with us. Mm-hmm. We'll be back Friday. For a spoiler. spoiler edition, which, my God, we learned so many new things. It's going to be fascinating to to see uh, if, if the, the, any of these pieces fit together in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we just got one more. One, I feel like there's a hell of a lot of pressure on this one finale episode to make or break the season. And it's not. I don't even think that's a hyperbole. Uh, yeah, I, I really want it to be good. Again, everyone will come back for next season, no matter Absolutely. what. Yeah, yeah. But like in, in what, whether this season is ultimately a success or failure, I feel like is, is all down to this one mm-hmm. last episode. Yeah. Lot, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> all right. We will see you back for Friday and, uh, for our continuing coverage Sunday until then. I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. Have a good one.